Big Sills! Happy Friday to you. Welcome aboard the National Football Show. I appreciate everyone that checks us out each and every single week. And we have had a monster week. Thank you so much for coming aboard. Um, I got to tell you, man, the Eagles are more interesting in the offseason than they are during the season. They're a polarizing team. The drama that we've seen this week with that franchise, to me, I mean, look, only the Jets, because of Aaron Rodgers, I think he's had more storylines. The whole Slay drama. Um, the money given to Graham and Fletcher Cox. It's been a really great week of covering the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFL. A lot of storylines. We're going to talk about Howie's week here in a minute. I mean, it was like Howie after hours last night, right? He ends up landing Marcus Mariota. You know, at first I say this, he signs another bust, but I'll get to it here in a minute here. Um, it's been a great week of free agency. And I mean for free agency for the players because the money that's being tossed around right now is absolutely unbelievable. Money's insane. I mean, look, I still can't get over the TJ Edwards $7 million a year number. Kaiser White getting $5.5 million. I mean, the money... And the market has clearly increased. And by the way, here's the other part of the drama this week for the NFL. Lamar Jackson has an opportunity to go anywhere he wants. And Baltimore is kind of allowing it. You know, they're kind of allowing it. You know, you look for these franchise guys. And you've got one in your hands. And you're kind of letting him go out and test the market. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the longer this goes on, I think it favors Philly. Okay? I thought if it was going to happen that he was leaving the team, it happened on Wednesday. They're kind of waiting to see how the dust settles a little bit here for him. And to me, Bates got a huge deal. I think he's kind of maybe a little bit shocked on where the market is right now for him. You know, how he's kind of playing it a little bit here with Gardner Johnson on what Baltimore's doing with Lamar Jackson, right? So again, get it. National Football League is front and center. By the way, I want to say this about Darius Slay. Darius, I know you and your wife watch the program. Hey, look, dude, sometimes Big Seals gets a little overboard. No harm, no foul. I think you're a fabulous player. I think you've been a great Philadelphia Eagle. I just want you to know, man, hey, you're, you're, you, you've been a truly great football player to the Eagles, okay? And the whole drama going back and forth, that's one thing. But again, nothing personal, dude, okay? Nothing personal here. How he got his guy. By the way, what I said wasn't wrong. He did take a $3 million pay cut. Okay? He did take a he did take a $3 million pay cut. Okay? 
But and, and nothing in my video that I said I take back at all. Because he was not a top priority. But again, there's no reason to get personal here. Okay, so at the end of the day, everything I said played out. They gave him more upfront money, and he took a base pay cut. I think Tony and I figured it out around three three million, three and a half million. He took a pay cut. Now, that's on the Howie Roseman side of the ledger. Howie got his guy at the price that he thought was a little bit above market value. That's a win for Howie, and clearly it's a win for the Eagles. And by the way, I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again. He was never going to be pushed to the curve because of ability or production. He was being pushed to the curve because of salary. Okay? He was. Now, I want to get into how he's weak. Tell me what you think of Howie Roseman's week as general manager of the Eagles. What grade would you give Howie this week? What 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 grade would you give him? Okay? What would you say? What grade? What and where would you put him? A plus? B? A, B minus, pretty good grades. Okay, we're going to take a look at each and every single one of these. Hector says A, Fly says C, Brian says still incomplete. Interesting, interesting take. A, all right, let's get into it here. Let's go with the players that they've lost first. Okay. Javon Hardgrave, 11 sacks. Big loss. Big loss. Tone says, I have to give him an A-. minus. The way he navigated the market and made risk, risky bets and won, that's why he gets an A-. minus. By the way, I'm going to put Tone on at 4.30 Eastern today. I keep talking to him like he's Mr. Snurdly on the old Rush Limbaugh show. You know, Rush always reference. Mr. Snurdly, I keep referencing Tone. You should see Tone. I know some of you have. So I'm going to put him on at 4.30 Eastern time, and I'll get his thoughts. He's a major contributor to the program, and we appreciate him doing that. Brian says if CJ signs, it's an A+. I think that's a lot to be said if he's able to get his entire secondary re-signed outside of Epps. Hardgrave is a big loss because of the 11 sacks. T.J. Edwards kind of was a mainstay in the middle of that defense, right? Solidified the unit. The defense kind of gelled around him once they put him in the starting lineup. Kaiser White was a damn good pickup. By the way, that was a heck of a pickup. So much so that Gannon gave, the guy who was his coordinator, gave him five and a half million bucks. Had to think he had a good season or he would never have offered him that. Marcus Epps, up-and-coming player, I think that's a loss, especially in a very weak safety position and safety unit. Miles Sanders, 
they don't value the position, but if you're going to run RPO and your quarterback runs a lot, you're taking 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns away from the offensive huddle. That's a lot. That's a lot of offense. You got to think that's around 15% of your offense that you've lo- that you're losing in your huddle. I think Sanders' production, not so much the player, but the production that he put up last year will be sorely missed. Am I saying he would do that again in consecutive years? I don't know that. Okay, that's the land of unknown with him because that was a career year for him. And do you understand that Carolina gave him $7 million? Philly was never giving him $7 million to play running back. That was never going to happen. Okay? That was never going to happen. Steve says Penny is going to roll dudes in this offense. We're going to take a look at that here in a minute. They lose Gardner Minshew. Backup quarterback. One of your better substitute teachers. Not a frontline starter. Okay? Not a frontline starter, but a quality football player. So, Hardgrave, Edwards, White, Epps, Sanders, Minshew would still potentially Isaac Sayamalo and Gardner Johnson still out there, whether they come back or not. We don't know yet. As of what? 310? We don't know right now if those two guys are coming back. Sayamalo has got a lot of suitors. CJ, I wonder if he's taking a look at the market right now. And maybe some of these offers are not exactly what he was expecting. You got to look at opportunity. You also have to look at the money. I mean, is it better just to come home if you're him? Okay. Now, here's the guys that they've added and kept. I'll give you my grade on what I think he's done this week here in a second. Fletcher Cox, 10 million bucks, one-year deal. That's a little pricey for me. Would I want the player back? Yes. I thought Fletcher played great from week eight on. Once they add whatever the week they added Joseph and Sue, I thought he became more productive with less reps. Now, again. It's not a complete roster yet, so I get it. They're going to have to add some depth to this defensive tackle position for him to be successful this year. Because if you don't, and you don't get production from the backups like Milton Williams and maybe some other guys they bring in, he's not going to have a good year, folks. He was having a horrible year. Tennessee drilled him. And then after that, he couldn't play 68 snaps. Fletcher Cox cannot play 68 snaps. Now, in a controlled environment, 40-some snaps, he's, he's still a productive guy. Limited snaps, give him the opportunity to have some depth behind him. I think he could be a pretty good player. $10 million, though, in my opinion, was a little too pricey. He couldn't have got $10 million in the open market. So the Eagles basically negotiated against themselves and pay a higher number for him. And by the way, just because you're boys and you like the guy has nothing to do with winning. That has zero to do with anything. They gave him the extra $3 million or $4 million because they like him. That's not good enough. 
This has got nothing to do whether you like the guy. Is the guy going to be productive if he's got to play, God forbid, 70 plays in a football game? I don't think he can. Brandy Graham. Brandy Graham, another limited guy. Like, like the Fletcher Cox sign is this. I think Fletcher's going to be really good. Probably in the first six weeks. And then as the year goes on, if they don't get depth, he'll get worn out. He will be non-productive by the end of the year if they don't address more depth on the team. Now, do I think they will? I do, especially in the draft. I do not believe, and by the way, like I said, his first half of the season was not very good. He got better when they got depth. Okay? The Brandy Graham deal. Brandy Graham is a centerpiece in Philadelphia and the emotions of the organization had a lot to do with him coming back. Belichick would have never brought this guy back. He'd have been gone two years ago. Okay? He'd have been gone two years ago in Seattle. But Philly... Philly does a great job with their veteran guys that have had an impact... And they look at the totality of your career. And that means something to them. Guys like Kelsey. Kelsey had an all-pro year. That was a no-brainer to bring him back. Even with the money they paid at 14-4. That still, he's worth it. He had an all-pro season. Fletcher played well. Brandon played well in a limited role. Again, depth. I think Josh Sweat on the other side is a budding star. Okay, I think he's a budding star. The restructuring and the maneuvering to get Darius Slay is probably the gem so far this week. Now, he didn't help himself. Tone and I were talking about this yesterday. Why would a player who was under contract open his mouth and tell everyone he's leaving and then turn around and undermine the whole process, rolling it back. He didn't have to do that. Nobody would have known anything of the worst because he was under contract. He wasn't a free agent. He made himself sound like a casualty cap. He was a casualty of the cap. There was no, there was no reason to unfly or unzip the fly of Howie Roseman when they were told you were helping Drew Rosenhaus at all in any way. And through all that drama, they got it done. And again, I say this to you. Slay side with Rosenhaus, they saw the Stefan Gilmore money. And they knew if they went out, they'd get less than that. The Eagles were offering him an opportunity to still make some good money and not take that much of a haircut. Like we said, I think Tone and I said, it comes out to about three and a half million bucks that he's off his base salary. That's a win for Philly. By the way, it's not an attack on Slay if you make the player take more money and have a come to Jesus conversation that you're not an $18 million guy. It's a win for the Eagles. Yeah, you guys are looking at me like I'm taking I'm not taking a shit on anybody. I had no insight 
that he was going to be released. Some go, well, the the inquirer said he was going to be released. Every news station on the planet said he was going to be cut. It wasn't me. Yet you make it sound like me. Crazy. Now Rashad Penny's added. Here was a bust player in Seattle. An out-and-out bust. I got the numbers to show you here. What, what, what clouds this perception? I see people talking about how this is a, a great sign. Now, for the money, yeah. No risk, really. 1.3. Okay, it's truly a nothing burger. But here, here's Rashad Penny's availability. He said today that, I guess when he met with the press, that um, he wanted to play a full 17 games, which he's never. So let's look at not just the numbers, his availability. Do you think this is productive? In the 82 available games that Rashad Penny could have played, he missed 40 of them. Do you understand that's eight games a year? He's never played a complete season. He's only started 11, and he was a first-round pick. You think that's a great sign? I guess for the money? Okay. It's not whether the player is good. Even Seattle knew that. They couldn't count on him. That's why they went and got Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. Okay? That's why they went. And he's a cheap man's version of Miles Sanders. The Eagles wanted to get cheaper. They did. But you know how they looked at it? Watch this. Rashad Penny, Miles Sanders' ability and talent-wise, probably in the same room. But this guy's hurt more. You're going to count on a guy who averages eight missed games a year. You're going to count on a guy. This is his five-year record. Here is Rashad Penny from 2018 to 22. This is his and who he is. 82 available games, 42 he's played in. 11 starts, an average of eight ball games he's missed. Okay, now, the one thing that I have to adjust on this, Sills, you're right if you're calling, if you're saying that Howie brought him into Philly to be a frontline starter. Maybe Howie's brought him in at 1.3 to be a role player. Okay, 1.3, role player with Gainwell and Scott. Yeah, if he understands his role. If he's a role player. You see, though, the media in Philly are making it sound like he's the replacement for Miles Sanders. Howie Roseman's actions didn't even dictate that. You know why? He gave Boston Scott $2 million. Boston Scott's going to be the lead back. 
He's the lead back. Penny got one three. So, I have to adjust. Now, if Penny's going to be a role player, Sills, and you're not really counting on him to play a, a ton of games, say you get 10 games or 12 games out of the guy. Let's see the most he's ever played is 14, and that was in his first year. Do you understand? Here's his resume. 14 games his first year, 10 the second. Three the third, 10 the fourth, five last year. Dude, if you get 10 games out of this guy as a role player, the Eagles are probably thinking that's worth 1.3 million. Okay, I'll buy that. So, Sills, if he's a role player and a former first rounder, if that's his role, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. It is. But as a frontline guy to replace Miles Sanders, don't put that in the same room because he's not replacing Miles Sanders. He can't. Seattle replaced him last year because they couldn't count on him. And what did he give Seattle? He gave them five games. Come on, man. That's who Rashad Penny is. That's who he is. But yet people want to paint this portrait as something else. That's not what they're painting him as. It's not true. He's a role player now. And Howie is paying him such. Nothing to do with ability. Nobody's saying he's not good. But you miss 40 games in five years at a clip of eight games a year. I don't know. You have to be a role player. How about this? If Howie gets lucky and this guy plays 15 games, could he be a thousand yard back? Yeah. But he's never done it. Again, in the land of unknown. Now, Howie after dark last night. He gets Mariota. I think Mariota falls into the same category as Rashad Penny. Here's why. This guy's a bust. He was a bust in Tennessee. He was a bust in the Raiders. He's a bust in Atlanta. And you signed a bust. Now, He's being asked to do a different role here. He's being asked, in case something happens, dual threat. We need you. And you're going to have to prepare every week like you're the starter, which he has prepared as a starter. He was drafted to be a franchise quarterback. Mariota's smart enough to know, hey, I come to Philly. Maybe I can reinvent myself here. I step in like Cooper Rush did. I step in like Brock Purdy. And we win some ball games, unlike what Gardner Minshew did. And if I can give you anything like a Nick Foles 
production. Nick Foles ended up getting a gigantic contract in Jacksonville because of what he did against the Patriots. Did he not? He made that $68 million deal or whatever it was in Jacksonville off of three games. Now, to be fair to Nick, Nick Nick had a Pro Bowl season a few years earlier. So Nick has not sucked his entire career. Marcus kind of has floated on the not very good, halfway decent line. Okay? This is a great opportunity for Mariota if he knows his role. You see, I'm going to make a point to you guys on something. I never really ever thought that Gardner Minshew bought into his role as the backup quarterback in Philadelphia. Do you guys agree with me? I think he bitched and moaned behind the scenes. I think he was an okay teammate. But at the end of the day, he probably always thought he was a better player than Jalen Hurts. That was my impression of him. My impression of him was always, he, I think he always thought he, he could have started and did the same thing that Jalen did. Do I believe that? No. I kidded with you a year ago, but I, I do not believe that he could have. Now, I know he won in the previous year. He won a couple games. I know he won that Jets game. So, to me, I always thought that he never bought into the role. I think Mariota's smart enough to know, man, Tennessee, the Raiders, Atlanta, I'm running out of teams now, okay? And I feel a little bit more confident with a guy who has prepared as a starter in Mariota than I do with Gardner Minshew. I would say this to you, though, okay? If you're signing Marcus Mariota to be your franchise quarterback or your starter, it's a shitty sign. He's a bust. If you're asking him to carry the mail in bad weather, if something happens to Jalen Hurts, it's probably another great sign by Howie Roseman. Hey, do me a favor, Tone. What's the numbers on, um, I don't know if they've been released yet on Marcus Mariota. But I'd like to know what the numbers are because, again, Rashad Penny's numbers, if you go back and you look through everything, he was signed as a role player. How he knows that? That's why it's the 1.3. And, 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 and think about this. The most money they ever wanted to spend at the running back position was $3 million. How do we know that? How to get Boston Scott, too? And they gave Penny 1.3. They were never going to spend seven on Miles Sanders. Ever. Ever were they ever going to spend that. Eight million total? I mean, they basically, look, I think they upgraded the backup position. I think they, they upgraded. Will they draft a quarterback in the draft? Probably. Ian Book, I don't want that guy as my third dude. I got to have a guy again that resembles an RPO dude. Okay? Would I bring Stetson in, Stetson Bennett, 
from Georgia, would that be a good number three guy? I, I don't know. You know, he's better than Ian Book, and he's older. I think this guy's like 25 years old. But at least he's won championships, and he's played against some of the greatest talent in college football for the last three years at Georgia. I want a guy that's won games. If I'm going to have my backup quarterbacks have to be people that have started and have won big games. Okay. Now, again, he's 25. For whatever reason, he's like really an old dude coming out of college. I don't know what is. I think there was a lot of transfers and this and that. Junior college shit, stuff like that. But that three-hole guy, kind of important as San Francisco. As San Francisco, how important the third-hole guy was for the NFC Championship game. If you're going to have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, you better have dudes that can run that same style of system. That's why when Minshew got put in in them games late in the season, he completely tanked. Hendon Hooker could be a free agent, an undrafted free agent. He could be. I, th- I think someone's going to take a gamble on him. By the way, I think someone takes a gamble on Hooker because of what Hurts has done and what Lamar Jackson has done and also Kyler Murray. Okay, I, I seriously, the RPO guy is here to stay. Bruce Arian said that on our program a couple weeks ago. Okay, he said that a couple weeks ago. By the way, we still have a bunch of good free agents that are out there. I've got the list of the top line free agents. Also, I'm going to rank a premature rankings of every division in the NFL. I'll say this to you. Look at the Cowboys right now. And I'm going to get back to Howie and I'll give you my grade here in a minute. Um, Look at the Cowboys constantly losing players. You know why they're, you know, you know why the Cowboys are in the position they're in because they overpay for guys that are good players and making them seem that they're great players. Amari Cooper was a good player. Was he a great wideout? No, but you paid him like he was, 20. Look at look at Zeke Elliott. Zeke is a fine ball player. But look at the... He's not a $17 million guy. Think about all the big backs that you've paid over the last couple of years. What did they bring to the table? Nothing. Vet goes Mariota beat the Niners this year. That Niners football team was not the same team, Vet, once they acquired McCaffrey. They went on a 12-game win streak. What you saw early in the season to what they were later in the season was night and day. It wasn't the same football team. He dropped 28 on them. Bro, Marcus Mariota would not have beaten that football team when McCaffrey's on that team and the way Purdy started playing. Okay, they were not going to do that. The Niners were still jacking around with the Trey Lance experiment. And that thing, shit, that team lost to the Bears, I think. The Bears. Then they went on a 12-game win streak. Not the same ball team. Not near the same ball team. Okay? 
49ers are in a position right now of strength. You know, it's funny. When I said this a couple months ago, I'd rather have the 49ers situation with Purdy than with Hurts. Well, the, the reason is, again, money. Not because I think Brock Purdy's better. The 49ers are going to be able to keep their roster intact. They've got to get... They've got to get better production out of the quarterback. And they were getting it until the kid got hurt. All right. So my grade for Howie this week. They lose Hardgrave. Marshall, thanks for coming aboard. Appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. 49ers can't stop the RPO. You had 230 yards or so against the 49er defense. They held you to your lowest production and offensive output of any team this year, Vet. Look it up. You had the least amount of offense versus the San Francisco 49ers without a quarterback this year. I think they stopped you pretty good. That defense was spectacular. Your offense wasn't great in that game against the 49ers. Who was great in that game? Your quarterback wasn't. I mean, really, you're making it sound like they put up 400 yards on San Francisco's defense. That wasn't true. I think the number you put up was 230 yards or 260 yards. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got that gift that Devontae Smith dropped the ball or it would have been 230 yards of total offense, total offense. The least amount of production of your football team Yards-wise, was against that Niner team in the NFC title game. So when you say they couldn't stop the RPO, that's not true. So, the grade for Howie this week. You know, I said at the beginning of the week that I didn't think this football team would make the postseason. I say this to you. I, I, I think they've limited a lot of the damage. I do. I think that I – would this be fair? Let's do this. Do you guys think – did you guys think there'd be more damage by today? Now, again, Gardner Johnson and Isaac Sayamalo could also tip the scales here to where it was a pretty big exodus. But do you think that Howie has kind of – he's limited the pain that they're going to go and – have to because look you've lost so far one two three four five one two three four five starters you've lost five starters so far with the potential of losing seven off your 22 that's a pretty significant loss okay and the additions that you brought back you brought an old Fletcher Cox back and an old Brandon Graham. I don't know. We'll see. They're going to need a lot of help. Okay? And you spent $16 million on Cox and Graham. I don't know. I mean, okay. Once again, I did think there'd be more damage. So, what's his name goes like this. 
Now they are old. They are old. Graham's 36. They are old. Now they're old. Fletcher's 33. They are old. See, there's a guy here that doesn't want to face. He, he, he sees what he wants to hear again. That, that is standard fan. And again, I'm all right with that. They are old. There's not a player that you brought back in your front four that's under 32. What is Brandon, 35? Let's see what Brandon is. Maybe you know, Tone. How old is Brandon Graham? He's 34. He'll be 30. He just turned 34 April 3rd. 34. Not horribly old, but old. Okay? Oh, he'll be 35 April 3rd. I don't know. Is that young to you? Okay. Okay, wait. Tone, what I lie about? Tony, what did I lie about? He's 35 April 3rd. 11 sacks last year? Okay, like I said, you brought a 35-year-old defensive end back. Okay? Just saying. 18 sacks for a hometown discount in a brand-new defense. How do you know Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox fit in that new system? You're going to take the chance that old guys are going to fit in a new system? All right. Look, I can't rip that. I don't know, nor do you. This is going to be a brand new defense. You're going to potentially, if Gardner Johnson doesn't come back, you're not going to have six starters on it. You could say whatever you want, man. It's not the same group of 2022. By far, you've lost a safety. You're inside backers, your best D tackle. And you brought back two old guys. And you're going to lean on a guy in Jordan Davis. That has not shown any promise yet. All of that is the land of unknown. Jordan Davis could come out this year and play like Aaron Donald. He could. I don't know. Once again, 2022 was a certainty. You knew what you had. Plus, they were veterans. You got a brand new linebacking core. Potentially a brand new safety core. Your corners, that's it, it, it's great. Vet says they can't stop Mar- they couldn't stop Mariota running the RP up. Dude, Marcus Mariota is a bust as a starting quarterback. End of story, dude. This is his fifth team. He's a bust as a starter, as a role player. Okay, this is a new role for him. Tennessee, Raiders, 
Falcons, Eagles, excuse me, four teams. He's a bust. Don't make it more than he's, again, Rashad Penny, bust. New roles. What is so hard to understand about this? And they're paying him as role players. Okay? Niners, whatever. Niners couldn't stop the RPO. Okay, yeah, all right. We have a difference of opinion. Okay, all I'm saying, once again, what do I think, Marcus, of of Mariota? I think as a role player, backup quarterback to Jalen Hurts, I think it's a great sign. If people are looking at Marcus Mariota as a potential starter under a football team, you're in trouble. He's a stink. He's terrible. He's not going to get you to the playoffs with a 16-game or 17-game schedule because he's just not good enough. This guy was replaced by Ryan Tannehill. Come on, man. And again, I don't believe, again, this is a stupid conversation in a way because he's not being brought into Philly to do that. He's being brought into Philly to be a seatbelt. Okay? I'm not giving you any doom here. I'm telling you who these men are now. And when people paint something that's not true, sorry, I'm not going to paint that, that same portrait to you. Rashad Penny sucked in Seattle for the simple fact he was never there. That's why they drafted a guy. Now, if Howie, which he did, paid him as a role player, $1.3 million, it's a really good sign. Don't expect more than eight games from him because he's never done that in five years. But you want me to sit here and tell you he's somebody else? That's not true. Somebody goes, it's hating when I tell you who he is. Or I tell you who Mariota is. What Howie Roseman has done to Rashad Penny and Marcus Mariota, he's had conversations and come to Jesus conversations. Here you are in your career, guys. Okay? You're not coming in here to be the frontline guy. They gave Boston Scott more money than Penny. I don't know what you're thinking here. That Penny's a better player. Well, why didn't he give Penny the $2 million? Instead of Boston Scott. Boston Scott's your frontline guy. He's your starter. Okay, he's your starter. Why? Here's the rule in the NFL. When you start paying athletes, you got to play them and coach them. You pay... And you play the guys you pay the most money for. That, that's reality. That's why the Cowboys are in the position they're in. Because they're playing the wrong guys. Because they're paying the wrong guys. Tony Pollard was the guy for the last three years. But they were paying Zeke. The, the, the Cowboys had to have a come to Jesus conversation. We can't keep paying this guy. When Pollard's the bell cow, it paid the wrong guy. What you're trying to do is not be that team. And the Eagles have been good at that, not being that team. Boston Scott makes the most money for a reason. 
this is what it is. Here, if I'm going to rank Howie's, if I'm going to rank Howie's deal so far this week, I'm going to say this to you. Bradbury's one. Slice two. Mariota's three. Fletcher Cox is four. Graham is five. And Penny is six. Okay. How much do I think Fletcher has left? I think he's a good player. He used to be exceptional. Do I think he's better than Jordan Davis? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. And that's so do the Eagles. That's why they gave him 10 million. Don't you think if Jordan Davis had shown more promise, do you really think they'd bring Fletcher Cox back at $10 million? You can't think that. Fletcher's still a better player than the 13th pick who's 22 years old. I mean, they're not bringing Fletcher Cox back at 10 million. 10 million. Um, I think Brandon in the right role can continue doing what he does. You know, it's always hard to talk about a guy like Brandon Graham because he's such a solid dude in the community. This is football stuff. Don't take it personal. This is football talk here. Nothing personal. It's got nothing to do whether he's a good dude or not because that conversation doesn't matter here. Will he be productive? It's the only thing that matters right now. I think he can if they do him solid by bringing more people in. James Bradbury, will he be able to duplicate what he did a year ago in a new defense? Yet to be determined. Good player, though. Slade's been a really good ball player in Philadelphia. His time, his three years since he came over from that cesspool of, a, of an organization, the Lions, who I think have improved a bunch. He's in the, he's in the conversation with Lito Shepard and Asante Samuel as one of the better cornerbacks that the organization has had over the last 15 years. He's been a fabulous ball player. Took a haircut, saw what the market was, came back, and he didn't have to take that much of a buzz. Like, like Tony and I said, he took about a $3 million haircut. Got more money up front, more power to him, and the Eagles saved some money. I would say that Howie's week has been a B plus. I say how he's been a B plus. Dan has no Darius Slay knee pads on. Absolutely. Everything I said turned out to be true from that video. He was going to take a pay cut. They were going to release him. He came back with his agent. I don't know what you're talking about. Everything that I said happened, happened. 
You call that knee pads? I call that reality talk because that's the way it played out. Because Darius thought that he was going to go on social media and become a victim and play the casualty of the cap, and he didn't need to. He needed to just, like Tone said, be quiet. Would have helped him out a hell of a lot more, in my opinion. Slay was not garbage last year. That's not true. I did not think he played his best football the last month of the season, though. Not at all. I say I say how he had a B plus. I thought this was going to be more of a disaster. Okay? No, it's not a C minus. Because Fletcher Cox, with help, is still better than Jordan Davis. He's still better than Jordan. Watch this. Your two best, your two starting defensive tackles, the old guy's better still. The young guy hasn't showed shit yet. That's a fact. He has not shown the 13th. Watch this. Jordan Davis right now, if I were to draft the way he looked a year ago, is a fourth rounder. He ain't the 13th pick. He gave you fourth round. As of right now, you've overdrafted Jordan Davis. You overdrafted him. Better turn into more of a pass rusher and not just a Sam Adams. That's a round four grade for Jordan Davis a year ago. Nicobe Dean, sixth, seventh round. Guys keep telling me Kaiser White sucks. Really? So the steal of the draft couldn't beat him out. All right. A lot of pressure on those two. They're going to be held to a high standard here. You can guarantee you that. Now, watch this. Howie's at a B-plus right now. If Gardner Johnson signed, we're floating in the A-minus. And what I said about the Eagles not making the playoffs, I don't know. Then we start creeping back in there going, I don't know. They're right there again a little bit. Okay? I I personally, on Monday, told you in my video and in my show, I meet, I, we could get a mulligan on Friday. If Gardner Johnson leaves, I'm still going to be in that position because I want to see the offense with the new coaching staff. This is a brand new coaching staff too. This is a brand new coaching staff. Different philosophies, different in-game decisions, different situational play calling. Every coordinator is different. Coordinators are like leaves on a tree. Every leaf is different. Same with coordinators. Every coordinator has a nuance that they have in a game that they do, and it's their staple. It's how some guys get head coaching jobs. Brian says the offense will keep them in every game. Dismissing them from the playoffs. Well, sorry, Brian. Last March 10th, I told you you were going to the Super Bowl. So I guess you didn't like that. 
Vet says, um, they paid Kaiser White. You stated if they paid players, they gave them, gave to play. This is mine that Kobe Dean didn't play. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Please kind of put it together for me a little better and I'll reread it for you. Um, so again, B plus as of Friday here. Now, how we after dark last night, if Mariota's brought into that role and he knows it, it's a good sign. Mariota is a, he's a bust as a starter in this league. He's a bust, but that's not what he's brought in for. It's not why he's brought in. Okay. I would also entertain Cilio leaves out all the young players we have. So what young players? What 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 young players on defense? Who? What young players? What young players? Nicobe Dean? Okay. I don't know who he is. He's not good. He's on your football team. You don't know he's good. I don't know he's good. He's in the land of unknown. Same as Jordan Davis. Both of those players underperformed and were overdrafted a year ago. Could that improve this year? Here, you want to hear cheerleading? Sure. Hoping. Rooting. Josh Sweat, I say it every single day on this program. How much I love the improvement of that kid. Once again, you take 5% of what I say and you don't hear it. There's not a day I don't say that Joshua had proved to me at the beginning of last year. By the end of last year, I didn't think he was a three-down D lineman. He is now. What more do you want? Rainbows and butterflies? Wrong show. Wrong show. I'm not counting Davis and Dean. They've showed me nothing. How do you know they're good players when they've had a full season? They were overdrafted. As of March 17th, those two players are overdrafted. And to sit here and go, I think they're going to have breakout years. Get a better shot at playing roulette. How do you know they suck? Because last year they sucked. You go on Davis, but the run game before Davis got injured. So he gave you three, three or four games in a 17-game season. And when he got into the Super Bowl, he didn't play. He was healthy and he got drilled. My bad, spell check. Okay, vet. All good. Thank you very much, too, vet, for that. I appreciate it. They paid Kaiser White last year, so you said they have to pay play their players. They pay, and that is why Nicole. Hey, hey uh, Tone, can you put that up there, please, for me? My bad, spell check. They paid Kaiser White last year, so you said they have to play their players. They pay. It's true, and that is why Nicole didn't get to play because they were playing, paying Kaiser. Fair enough to bring that back on me, but you put the equity of a third-round draft choice in them too. 
And if you knew you signed him to a one-year contract, weren't you hoping by the end of the year that, that he would beat the kid out? So what you have, and as of right now, that's a downgrade for the Eagles. It's not an upgrade. Putting Dean in over White is not an upgrade. How do you know that? I know that the guy who just made $5.5 million and is going where the coordinator that just was in Philadelphia gave him that money, my opinion, until proven otherwise, Nicobe Dean's a downgrade. And if you say this, it's an upgrade. It's wishful thinking. And hopefully he does. But today, that's not true. Jordan Davis taking over for, hey, watch this. How many people think Jordan Davis taking over for Javon Hardgrave is an upgrade? Okay? What happened to Hurts will have surgery or Reddick can't get off the bus? Glad you can use Google, McNabb. How many people think that Davis is an upgrade over Javon Hardgrave? How many people think that's an upgrade? Guy who just signed for $20 million. How many people think he's an upgrade? Vet thinks it's an upgrade. You think Jordan Davis, who's never had more than five sacks in a season in his entire football career, is going to produce 11 sacks? Again, monster wishful thinking. Charlie says lateral, not in your life. That's not a lateral move. He's not a pass rusher. He's never been. Where are you getting this that he's as good as Javon Hardgrave? Look at his numbers at Georgia. Look at his rookie numbers this year. Okay? Davis is not a pass rush defensive tackle. The comparisons aren't fair. He's taking the position of him. What do you so so wait a minute? He's taking his position. What are you talking about? So you drafted the 13th pick in the National Football League's draft, and you're okay with a guy who can't rush the passer at 13. Wow. Holy shit. That's crazy. The 13th pick. That guy just said it's not fair to compare him to a guy who had 11 sacks. Then why'd you take him 13th? Why didn't you go get the kid Lloyd from Utah like I said to? Or the corner from Washington like I said? They both started. They started on a Super Bowl and a playoff team. Well, tell me they couldn't start anywhere. The rookie McCullough starts in Kansas City and the kid Lloyd starts for Doug Peterson in Jacksonville.
You're okay with that. So again, that's an upgrade. So is Blankenship now an upgrade over Gardner Johnson? Is he? By the way, who's taking TJ Edwards' spot? Who's taking TJ Edwards' spot in your defense? Do you even have the guy on the team yet? That they are playing Hardgrave and Cox and Jordan didn't get to play. He's developing. (laughs) I thought when you drafted first-round draft choices, this ain't a quarterback, dude. You need to get your ass out there, wind him up, and let him go run into walls. He's a D-tackle. He's not a quarterback. Developing? Get his ass out there and play. Are you kidding me at 13? Give me a break, man. Draft a guy in the first round. He's expected to play. Tell you what. Devontae Smith broke rookie records in Philadelphia wide receiver in his rookie season. Second year, he had 95 catches. That's developing. That's developing. Let's look at the best free agents that are out there. I'm going to do that. By the way, we're going to talk to our boy Tone at 4.30 Eastern. I want to get his thoughts. He's got some great stuff. I see him on with with John McMullen all the time, too. So I want to bring him on. He's worked really hard these last couple weeks for us. So they're not paying Cox or Hargrave. Your word's not mine. I asked you if you thought it was an upgrade. Jordan Davis over Javon Hargrave. I asked you if it was a if it was an upgrade. That's all I asked you. Was it an upgrade? You can't even answer that. All right. Hour number two. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. National Football Show Hour number two. My boy Tone is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We appreciate everybody coming aboard. Thank you again for stepping in with us. It has been an incredible week. You know, before I get to the free agents, I want to take a look at, and I I just casually looked at all the divisions. And the teams that are going to be competitive this year versus a year ago, it's kind of moved around a little bit. I think Howie's had a good week. I think he has. I think he softened the impact of what I thought was going to be. Now, again, Isaac Sayamano and Gardner Johnson could sway this thing more. So we're keeping an update on where those two guys are. And there's no question Sayamano's got a lot of takers right now. And he's got a lot of opportunity. If I, hey, if I were Howie Roseman, you got a lot of money already in that old line. You got a ton of dough in that offensive line already. 15 million plus at your tackles, 14.5 sitting at your center position. You're going to add another 13 to your right guard. And Marshall says, I'm not justifying the pick. Just can't expect the run-stuffing DT to rush the passer. That's my point. Okay, Marshall, you're right. But you overdrafted him then. You overdrafted him. If you drafted a defensive tackle just to be a run-stopper, you could have got him at 20, 25, not 13. That's not the 13th pick. I appreciate it. You guys hanging in there. The internet's going in and out a little bit on us here. So we're good. But, okay, so the 13th pick in the draft, sorry. That is overdrafting. That is why you land on Derek Barnett, Andre Dillard, Jalen Rager, 
overdrafted all three of them dudes. Howie. Yeah, those things fell over in the snow globe. Those three dudes, those three trees fell over in the snow globe. Everyone always skates over that shit when it comes to Roseman. Those are failures. Colossal. The first round picks. Again, you're not looking to draft an all pro in the first round. You're looking to draft starters. You're looking to draft starters. Okay? That's what you're doing. You, and if it so happens they work out to be all pros and pro bowlers, that's the cherry on top. When you're drafting, really traditionally, in the top three rounds, when you're drafting in the top three rounds, you're looking for starters, not guys who are one-dimensional. Again, why do you think that Hassan Reddick picked his game up in the second half of the season where he was terrible in the first half of the season? Why do you think he picked his game up? Because they started stopping to run more. And they weren't threatening the perimeter and the edges. They did a better job. They went from 22 to 16 in stopping the run. That's why he got better. There was less pressure. And they realized they couldn't drop him in coverage. Sucks at it. You talk San Francisco, but they lost all secondary shopping, Kinlaw and Ayuk. Yeah, and they pick up Hardgrave, and they still have Fred Warner. Now they got one of the better D-lines in the NFL, and they still got Trent Williams, and they still have um, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Kittle. They got an entire roster. Hafanga is an all-pro safety. You don't have an all-pro safety right now. You're hoping to keep them. Seals, no one is. I, I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't an indictment. I asked the question: Do you think that Blakenship is an upgrade over Gardner Johnson? Obviously, it's not. Kaiser White's not an upgrade, or Nicobe Dean's not an upgrade. You don't know that kid just got five and a half million from the coordinator that was in Philly. As of right now, he's not. Jordan Davis is not an upgrade over Javon Hardgrave. This guy's an 11-sack guy, just got $20 million. You think he's an upgrade? And again, I'm not talking about the money. The money was always going – we were always going to know that there'd be positions that Howie was going to not put a premium on. One of them was D-tackle. But wait a minute, let me get this right. Let me ask you something here. So he paid up. He paid Fletcher Cox 10 million bucks. 10 million bucks. And he let Hardgrave walk out of the building. He was already paying 13 million for. So he decided to go with the older guy. Is that a smart move? When he had a deal on the table for three years, 51 million. So you paid Fletcher Cox the money that you could have kept Hardgrave with. 
but he didn't want to do it. Okay? Look, to be candid and fair, would I pay $20 million for Javon Hardgrave? No. No way. I think he's okay against the run. I, I don't think he's a multitask. I don't think he's a multi-talented player. I think he's a good pass rusher and versatile on the one, three, and two techniques. I think he can. I think he's good in that. I think he's paid on that. He's a good pass rusher and he's flexible. Okay, that's where I think that you're you're paying for him. Like San Francisco can drop him in a shade, one, two, three technique. And I think it gives them the flexibility to do that, to play a 34-43 front or bare front. He's very good in that because he could slide all up and down the line of scrimmage except for end. He's been that way since he was in Pittsburgh. But $20 million, third highest paid DT next to the kid in Washington and Donald in Los Angeles? I don't know about that one. So I'm, I'm kind of – how we had to go like this. Damn, he's a good ball player. I'll take the older guy who had seven sacks instead of 11. He wants to stay here. So he went with Fletcher for a year. Kind of makes sense. Okay? It kind of makes sense so he could spread the money out trying to keep Slay, Bradbury, and potentially Gardner Johnson. So that's why he went with Fletcher. There's no doubt he wanted Hardgrave, but to like everyone, and I agree with you, to like everyone, I don't know, man. $20 million? That seems a little rich for me. As good of a player as he is. As good as a player. Okay? Tony goes, Fletch, less than half the price is... I, I, I guess. I think that's how he looked at it. Charlie, I'm with you. I think, by the way, I, I think they loved Hardgrave too, and I think they did want to keep him. But that's why the number, how he likes to hang around those three-year contracts, three years, 51, 53 million. Shit, I heard Seattle put a deal on the table like that. Then San Francisco parachutes in with 60 guaranteed, four years, 84. There's not a chance in hell they were going to compete with that. And I don't think the Eagles even wanted to attempt to compete with that. As good as the player is. So that's why they went with Fletcher and said, well, Jordan hasn't showed us enough promise for us to go. Let's get another young tackle in here or elevate Milton Williams. If Jordan had played better football a year ago, I think Milton Williams made more sense to put him on the other tackle position. Because then you got two guys on very, very reasonable contracts. But because Jordan didn't play as well as they expected, and they're still not sure, that's why they had to bring back Fletcher at $10 million. It, 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 it makes sense. It totally makes sense here. Defensive tackle, Jack. Jack is right. DT, less important if he can't rush the passer. Davis is a head-scratcher. You know why, Jack? They fell in love with the combines and didn't look at the productivity. 
at Georgia and look at Wyatt, Walker, Carter, Dean, all those players that he was playing around. I thought he sucked out loud in the SEC championship game his final year at Georgia. I thought he was fantastic in the national title game. Up and down. Then he gets to the combines. He runs that 478. That's all people were talking about. That's great and all. He's fast. He's athletic. Great lateral movement. How about making some plays, though? That's not a lot on the tape. I'm always hesitant to draft players in the top 20 picks that aren't productive. I'm not looking for a track and field expert or a weight room guy. I'm looking for a football player, guy who's productive. When Adama Kinsu burst on the scene in Detroit, he had 11 sacks, I think, in his first year. He was a force out of Nebraska. That guy was a force. Jordan Davis was not a force. 13th is high. You're floating around the top 10 pick. Watch this. Remember what I said to you on draft day about Jordan Davis? This guy's got number one, top five athletic ability, but he's never been a guy that has put that athletic ability together with production. He's never produced to the likes of that athleticism. He's a very gifted athlete, but there's been not a lot of production. It, it's, who he, it's who he is. Can he get better? I don't know if you can get better as a pass rusher. He's not. 43 games at Georgia. He had nine sacks. I don't know. On a football player. That's why those combines, man. You fall in love with those combines and you watch a guy and you look, you want to know if he can run. You want to know if he's athletic. You want to know if he's got good hands. The most important thing to me at the combines is the interview. I want to have a conversation with you. You know what I'm saying? I want to have a conversation. I want to know who you are. That to me is the most important thing that you could possibly have with someone. Okay. What's he like? What's his game? That's why I want to talk to Jalen Carter. Let me show you what, look, before we get tone on here, um, big pick in Russell, Maryland, first pick in the draft. I never thought that pick was good. I thought Russell Maryland, who played behind me at Miami, I thought he was a good football player. Number one pick overall. You couldn't have been more overdrafted. Russell Maryland, the number one pick overall in the NFL draft, not happening. You could have got that guy at 20. But you know why Jimmy brought him in? Jimmy brought him in because he ran the Canes football defensive line for him at Miami. And he knew exactly what the front four was needed to do. And Russell knew exactly how to run it. And he played for Coach Johnson. Russell was a fine ball player. Shit, Tony Casillas was a better defensive tackle than him. But Russell knew exactly what Jimmy Butch and Dave Wanstatt wanted to do because he played four years at UM. And they kept the same integrity of the Miami defense in Dallas 
They ran the same Canes G defense in Dallas all those years for Jimmy Johnson and when Russell was there. And that's why Russell Maryland was drafted number one overall because Jimmy and Dave and Butch kept the same philosophy and defensive scheme intact that they had on college. I know you guys don't know any of that, and that's why you're here, but that's why Russell Maryland was taken number one overall. He's a fine ball player, good character guy. I love the kid. I coached him. I Jerome, Jerome and I coached him. He's the guy that used to watch films of me and Jerome all the time. Ed Ogeron, I post that tape all the time. He's in there watching. He called me up when I'm in Tampa. Damn, when you played the three technique, did you cheat? Yeah, I cheated. And they kept that same integrity. That's why he was taken number one overall. Not because he was going to be a Dominikatsu. He was never going to be that. Casillas was a fine ball player. Fine ball player. Before I get Tone in here, I this is how I, we'll get what he thinks of this. I got the NFC here. Let me go. Let, let, let me do this with the NFC here. Before I get Tone in here. I'll start with the West. I got San Francisco as of right now. Seattle, two. Rams, three. Arizona, four. In the South, I got New Orleans. Derek Carr being added. I think they're the team to beat. I got Carolina, two. Atlanta, three. Boy, I love that kid Pitts from Florida. Bucks, four. I think they're going to go to last place here. In the North, get this, I got Detroit winning the North, the NFC North. Minnesota second, Chicago third, Green Bay last. This is all with Rodgers going to the Jets. AFC, NFC East, I got Philly, Washington, Giants, Cowboys. We'll do the AFC. Let's bring in my guy Tone here. And let's get his big sales. How we feeling, sir? All good, man. Tone. How he's weak. What do you think? I think I give it a minus B plus. I think that's pretty fair. You know, all things considered, you know, let's be honest. Uh, we came into this off season expecting to lose a lot of bodies and we did lose some, you know, you lost TJ, uh, you lost miles, you lost Javon, you lost Marcus. Kaiser White, Gardner Minshew, Andre Dillard, you lost some depth pieces. You lost some quality starters, especially at the, especially in the linebacker room. Say what you want about uh, Kaiser, once, uh, Kaiser White's production and T.J. Edwards' ability to cover. They lost some pretty quality starters. But, you know, you go to the other side, they were able to bring back James Bradbury, a guy that I didn't think that they were going to be able to bring back. Um, they brought back Fletch, Brandon Graham, Kelsey. They brought back some key pieces. If you notice, a lot of the guys they brought back – shows and speaks to the philosophy of how this team is built. They care more about the trenches than anything else. Always have. Always have, Tone. That's always been one of the big things that has kept it. This is one of the things that I've always said about the Eagles since Laurie's owned the team, is that since Norman Brayman, the one thing that you give them credit for, they know that building championship runs, and the reason they've been the most successful team in the NFC East since 2000 has been the fact that they believe in O-lines and D-lines. And 
again, my only question is, and I kind of get it. I'm not paying $20 million for Hardgrave, especially when my priorities are in my back end with my secondary. I think the slay move um, at the end of the day is, is like you like to say, that's in Howie's snow globe, man. I mean, he ends up getting his player. I think you and I come up that he took a $3 million haircut or something like that, but they gave yeah. him more money up front. And again, right. people are making it sound like I think this is a loss. It's not a loss. It's a win for Roseman and the Eagles because you get your two corners back. Um, yeah. They lose their linebackers, though. Now, this is a position that they don't. I heard John McMullen make this point. John doesn't really think the Eagles put a huge value on this. But, dude, I got to say, since they put TJ in that starting lineup a year ago or in the 2021 season, he solidified that defense. I think he's a loss. I agree. I actually agree with you 120% about that. Um, I was talking to John about that as well, um, and he was pretty shocked. You know, when you look at the numbers that TJ Edwards got, when he saw that, he said to himself, well, if he only got six and a half million a year, why couldn't the Eagles pay that? Because we all thought TJ would command a little bit more than that, you know, especially with the market shifting the way it did. We thought TJ would get at least, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, I don't know, something like that. But when you saw that he only got 19 and a half million over three years and Harry Roseman didn't want to pay that, that just spoke volumes about how he truly, truly doesn't value that position. Think about TJ Edwards, his, you know, his upbringing, how he got here. He, he wasn't even drafted. Right. Un un undrafted <laughs> he wasn't even drafted. Granted, a quality player in college, um, but he wasn't even drafted because of a, because of a poor 40 yard dash time. So all of the, the entire linebacker room is filled with guys that either wasn't drafted or guys like a Davion Taylor, who's a third round pick, who I think needs to start to show something. Um, a guy in Sean Bradley, who I think needs to spend a lot more time, you know, putting some working on the field and staying healthy. Ultimately the linebacker room is not, is not in a position that you really want to write home about. And I think at some point, you know, especially if you're not that good at drafting, you got to just go for the home run hitter with the linebacker position. If if if, if you want to solidify that position, but again, they don't care about it. You know, I always talk about, and I learned this, you know, from listening to you know guys like you and McMullen, uh, Jordy Mack, Derek Gunn. I learned this by covering the game under you guys. There are five key positions that that not only the Eagles, but for the most part, the NFL cares about, and that's truly conducive to winning. And this is in no particular order, but. That's the quarterback position, the receiver, the receiver position, the edge rusher position, the corner position, and the left tackle position. If you're not one of those positions, the Eagles look at you like you're expendable for the most part. And I'll maybe take it a step further with the offensive line. If you're not an offensive lineman or any one of those other four positions I mentioned, quarterback, receiver, edge rusher, or corner, the Eagles look at you as, okay, we can probably shortchange that position. And that's what they've done for the past several years. And that's what the NFL continues to do. Bobby Wagner's out there. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to command. Um, do you do, do you do you present it to him like this, like they did to Bradbury? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you the one thing here, Tone, that I think the Eagles have going in their favor. And if this was and we, we would not agree how he's one of the best salesmen. And one of the best pitchmen to guys that are out there like Slay and these guys who were say in Detroit or in New York, like say Bradbury. Look at what this here's the pitch to Bobby Wagner. Hey, 
Did you see all the guys who just got premium deals? I mean, Bobby, you're a potential Hall of Famer. The guy we just had here, TJ Edwards, made seven million bucks a year. You come here on a one-year deal, you could be that guy too. And your next deal, you could be talking about an eight, nine million dollar deal like Von Miller signed in Buffalo. Do you make that pitch because he's got equity now in that? He could sit here and go like this. Dude, Bradbury just got a deal. Slay still kept his money, right? And then you go to Wagner and go, plus, dude, that guy's an upgrade on Edwards. He's going to cost you maybe some dough here. Yeah, he is. He is. And, you know, it's like. But I think you could take the hometown discount here and put that conversation because you know why? Because I think how he's built that equity up, went to the Super Bowl, guys got paid. Those are two things free agents want to hear. Yeah, and the fact that your quarterback is trending in the right direction as well, that's another thing that free agents want to hear. And, you know, on the offensive side, on the offensive side, the fact you got guys actually getting their numbers, you know, again, the, the Eagles overall have a pretty good situation when it comes to attracting free agents. And when it comes to Bobby Wagner, like you mentioned, um, somebody asked me earlier, do I think Bobby Wagner is a possibility? I don't think it is, but I also don't think Harry Roseman should be negligent or afraid to make the pitch because I like the pitch that you just made. Look, this team, we went over here. You know, we were just in the Super Bowl. You can make an argument that we were a linebacker away. That could be you. And on top of that, you come here for a short deal, one-year deal. You revamp, you, you, revamp, you, revamp, you revamp your career. I know, you, I know you were just a pro bowler, but hey, listen, you come here for a year, you know, get your feet settled. And then you can double back and get more money on the back end. You know, it's it's definitely a great pitch, and that's something I would pitch. I think Bobby Wagner will make this will take this defense to a whole nother level. If you throw TJ Edwards kept kept everybody in line, Bobby Wagner would, would would not miss a beat. He would be he would be the Fred Warner of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's how good Bobby Wagner is and still is. Um, I was surprised the Rams cut him, but it was more so about money. Money, kind of similar to Darius Slay. It's not about the talent. It's nope. about the money, you know? It's so about the money. I, th- I think Wagner is a, not, a, those, a solid pickup. Those two players, Tone, are not guys that are dudes that are out of gas. Right. Those are guys that you ha- – see, the problem that you're having with these salaries that I think is being more evident now, and I think this is still some of the casualty of COVID, is that the cap only went up $16 million. Look at how much the value of the quarterback position is going up every year. When you're talking about salaries, shit, look at look at Mahomes' contract at $42 million he signed three years ago. They've redone the deal every year so far, and he's under market value already. That's three years removed, and he's making $45 million. We're now talking about $50 million deals now being thrown out there for quarterbacks. I mean, I think, I, I, I think the salaries for a lot of these guys are outpacing what the growth of the cap is. And so that's becoming more of an issue and why you've got to put a balance sheet together. That's fair here. Let me get your thoughts on the Mariona signing. Yeah. Um, and him, did, did, did you agree or disagree with my take on him? Look, if you're thinking this guy's a frontline starter and going to carry your franchise, he ain't it. But how we put him in a different role here. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Let's be honest. Uh, the Eagles tried to draft Mariota a while ago. They tried that <laughs> during the Chip Kelly era. And I got to be honest, I wasn't one of those people that was really campaigning for that. That just wasn't the move I was really I was really keen on. Um, 
I, I saw him in college. He was a fun player to watch, but I personally didn't feel like it translated that well to the NFL. I, I just felt like he was small. I just didn't think he would hold up, and obviously that was the case. Um, but as far as him being in Philadelphia, um, it makes all the sense in the world. It allows them to maintain continuity on offense. You know, your skill position guys don't have to change the way they play like they had to do with uh, Gardner Minshew. It's, it, you know, I, I, I can't help but to continue to go back to that Saints game where they literally ran the Jalen Hurts game plan for Gardner Minshew. And Dude, he couldn't outrun you. It was not practice. He's running RPOs. I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah, I was I was looking at some uh some Mariota Falcons footage. Granted, he didn't have the best year, but he had them in some games. He won some games. He lost. He lost more than he won, but five and eight. Okay, I mean, he he's really a backup at the end of the day. Uh, but I was looking at I was looking at some of his some of his film from you know the Atlanta days, and he still got some wheels on him. And he still and they ran a lot of RPO with him over there. So I think I think him coming to Philly just makes. The per- makes perfect sense. Um, I think, as a matter of fact, who do we have? Who do we have on the show? Was it uh, was it Tony Dungy or one? Was, yeah, was, Tony. One of, Tony or Bruce, I think, said you got to yeah. have somebody that resembles them. Exactly. It was. It was. Uh, it was. It was Coach Arians. Shout out to Coach Arians for coming onto the program. He came on. He said, "Look, if you're going to have one of those guys, you got to have someone behind him that does something similar." And I always thought that was common sense, but for some reason, teams didn't start building a their quarterback rooms that way until I want to say maybe the past few years. But, um. Yeah, ultimately, I think the Mariota pickup is a solid move. Um, again, don't expect him to come in here and go on like a five-game win streak. <laughs> don't, no. don't, don't do that. No, but like, um, he can definitely that, win but, you a game or two if Jalen goes down for a game or two. Yeah, we have Bob sitting there thinking and lying here, saying that I said that he's coming in here to be a starter. I never said that. <laughs> is that what you said? <laughs> I never said that. Again, you see what I'm saying, Tone? Silly, okay. you're polarizing. Don't you get it by now? Hey, man, I mean, <laughs> that's just not what I said, man. I mean, I actually told you that he's going to come in here as a backup, and he's going to define his role here. Right. Uh, Vet says, and the Niners can't stop the RPO. Okay, well, again, the Niners were a completely different football team. After they got McCaffrey, they went on a 12-game win streak. All right, the Rashad Penny sign, is that kind of in the same situation, Tone? You think as Mariota? Again, you're, you're bringing him in. Give me, I don't want to pollute the, uh, the take here, so just your you. take on him. Yeah, when we, when we first brought in Rashad Penny, my, my, my first reaction was, hmm, because I, I know Rashad Penny. You know, not personally, obviously, but I'm, I'm familiar with his career in Seattle. And one thing I do know is him, along with Chris Carson, couldn't stay on the field. They struggled to stay on the field for the past several years. Seattle has struggled to keep running backs on the field. That's why they drafted Kenneth Walker IV, who came in and did amazing things. I hope they can keep him on the field because he runs very physical as well. Um, but Rashad Penny, it's not a talent conversation with him. I've, I've seen him play um, in college. I've, I've seen him play like, when he was on the field in, you know, in Seattle when he played. He had a stretch of games. I think it was in 2021 or 2020. I can't remember when it was, but he had a stretch of games where he had like over like 115 yards rushing, like like four or five games in a row. He was kind of just going crazy. Um, but overall, though, a guy like Rashad Penny, when he bringing him in, it's not something that I'm going to write home about. It's a solid move for the simple fact that you add some depth to the running back room. You bring in a running back that's more conducive to what you want in your running back, a guy that's more north-south than east-west like Miles Sanders was. That's not taking, that's not taking anything away from Miles Sanders' production, but the reality is Miles Sanders had moments where he kind of had brain farts in the backfield. Um, and uh, Rashad Penny, it's going to be a fresh start for him. Another thing about Rashad Penny is 
you know, again, it's not about talent with him. It's always about health. That's the only conversation when it comes to him, in my opinion. It's always about health. I think one of the reasons he came to Philly was not just because it's a winning culture, not just because uh, you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, not just because of the old line. I think he also came here because he looked at that training staff and said, wow, they had the least amount of injuries all throughout the season last year and the year That's before that. And they, and they were the healthiest team going into the playoffs. If mm-hmm. I can get with them, revitalize my career, get, you know, get at least 150 carries, you know, average about four or five, maybe six, six yards a carry and stay healthy for at least 15 games. If I can get 14 to 15 games healthy with the, with the Eagles organization, with that training staff, that can set me up at least for maybe getting a two-year deal somewhere else, maybe a three-year deal. You never know. But I think he really came here for the, for the strength and conditioning and the training staff more than just the winning culture. Here's, here's again who he is, though. And you're right. I watched him at San Diego State. I had a show based in Southern California and right, I watched right. the kid. Okay. He broke all of like Danelle Pumphrey's records and obviously a bigger kid. And the guy was taken in the first round by Seattle, but in 82 games that he was qualified to play and he only played in 42 of them and started 11. That means this tone, he averages eight games a year. I mean, eight games a year in five years is kind of who he is. Okay. Yeah. So people keep throwing out. And here, here's your comment. 6.2 yards a carry. I get it. No one's saying that. But eight games a year? Not good enough. You're not building an offense around a guy, nor are you relying on a guy. And To your point, I didn't know it was that bad, right? I, 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 looked, I looked up his time in Seattle. He spent there, he'd been there for five seasons. I had no idea he only started 11 games. 11 games. That, well, first rounder. That is, that's terrible. That's terrible. You know, and, and again, because he was not healthy, tone, and he wasn't great in pass protection. But here is look, I think you have to look at what Howie's priorities are on the money that he spends. He gave Boston Scott two million as a base. He gave this guy one three. Scott's gonna be the front line back. Penny's not, because you can't count on him on an everyday basis to be in the offensive huddle and to go like this. Well, he's going to play 17 games in Philly. That's wishful thinking after five years here. Look at this 14 games, 10 games, three games, 10 games, five games. I mean, he's played in 18 games in three years. My mom always told me when somebody show you who they are, I believe them. (laughs) Believe them. (laughs) All right. Tom, what do you do at the number three wide receiver position? You know what? It saddens me because I was really high on Quez when we drafted him. Um, one of my first videos that I've ever created in this YouTube space was a Quez Watkins like reaction breakdown, all that kind of stuff. And um, I had high hopes for him um, because of the speed. But this is the NFL. Um, some of the best, some of the best receivers aren't the fastest. So speed doesn't just keep you in the NFL. Speed may get you into the NFL, but it doesn't keep you there. And it got to a point with me where I felt like he kind of got paralyzed by the presence of an A.J. Brown. He he actually mentioned, he actually mentioned in his um, exit meeting, his exit uh, press conference or exit interviews, he mentioned how he knows he regressed. He knows that he was struggling to accept his role as that third guy. Because remember, last year he was the number two behind Devontae. Um, you know, as Jalen Rager began to fall down, uh, fall down the depth chart. So Quez struggled to transition from that number two role to that number three role, three role behind AJ. But in my humble opinion, with all due respect to him, 
It's AJ freaking Brown. You better get comfortable where you are. So, I mean, ultimately, I feel like they need to bring someone in to challenge him for that third spot. I'm sorry. I don't care who it is. You could draft a guy somewhere in the fifth, sixth round, whoever you got to find them, bring, you know, bring somebody in the free agency. You know, with, you know, we still have a handful of months left before the season starts, but Quez needs to get Quez needs some pressure put on him because I, before the season even started, I, I used to always get in debates with people about people saying, oh, yeah, Quez is better than Zach Pascal. I'm like, where? How? Like, like, how do you believe? Like, what makes you believe that? Because he's faster? Is, is, is that it? Because if you ask me, if you ask me, Zach Pascal is a more disciplined route runner. He, yep. has, be- he has better hands. He, yep. You can use him in blocking in a run game. He's a bigger dude. He's, he's, a, he's a bigger frame. Overall, I think he's got better hands. Yeah, he has better hands. So, like, you know, and for me, the nail was put in the coffin, not just in that Super Bowl matchup, but the nail was put in the coffin for me in that Dallas game where he was rounding off so many routes and he was getting out-muscled to the ball time and time again. That kind of just put a, a really bad taste in my mouth with Quez. So I think the Eagles definitely need to think about upgrading that position or at least making some kind of move to someone who's a little bit more shorthanded because speed can't be the only reason why you have a job. Here's here and here's my problem with him as well. You know, in traffic and when you're fighting for the football, he he just gets outmanned. How many times do you see guys take away the ball from him too? Like, you know, when it's a it, 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 it's a back and forth catch on who's going to get it, the defender or the receiver. You know, I just I I don't think he battles for it enough. Hey, by the really? way, I just got a text from a friend of mine that works in the NFL offices. Get this here so far, some of the uh, preliminary uh, compensation picks. Because of the Hardgrave, it looks like they're going to get another third rounder. And as of right now, with Edwards and with White and a couple other guys, it looks like they're going to get a six and a seven. So they could potentially have and still yet to be determined on Gardner Johnson and um, on Sayamalo. So right now, they're going to get another third round draft choice. So, so. Answer this for me, because I've always been the, – the compensatory pick game is always funny to me. Do those picks go to the 2024 draft or this, this upcoming draft. draft? This draft. Okay. This draft. Okay. So they're going to they're, they're, they're gonna get more picks for this draft here because they're free agents. I, you know what? And when that thing got pushed in, where you get, where you get these compensation picks because you're losing free agents – it's pretty crazy, man. But so as of right now, the Javon Hardgrave looks like they're going to bring in a third, uh, a third round pick. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna a a a, a tone. I think you're right. I think it is the 24 draft that they're going to get those picks. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Really I'm going to have to double check that. I think it's 24. Yeah. I want to ask you. I a think question it's the really 24 quickly. draft um, that it goes into next year, and yeah. I think it's the 24. I don't think they get the picks for this season. It's the 24. Right. Let I'm me ask you this a- one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's the price tag? Do you agree with me on this? Mm-hmm. Here's the floor, and here's the ceiling for Jalen Hurts' contract. This conversation always gets funny. Let's, let's uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Kyler Murray is the floor. I agree. And Lamar Jackson is the ceiling. I think he's going to get 51 million. Hertz or Jackson? Jackson. Okay. And so Hertz is somewhere in the middle in there. Yeah, I think um I think Jalen Hurts. Well, first and foremost, let me preface it with this. I am 
very much for players getting their money. However they got to get it, go get it. Because the NFL don't love you. They will replace you in a split second. You know, you know, you played in this league, um, Cilio. You know, you played in many leagues and you understand the grind. You understand how they, they make it a point to get somebody younger and a little bit faster your job if they can pay somebody a little less. So oh, absolutely. You, understand, you understand how this game works, and you know, I'm pretty sure wherever you went, you made sure you got it, you got as many coins as you possibly can, as you possibly could. Um, so I'm always for the players getting as much money as they can because the NFL, these teams, they don't love you. But also, I'm never against the organization making a decision that's best for them. Ultimately, the business is the business, and I will never, ever argue against the business side of football. Now, I say all that to say, Jalen Hurts is going to get $50 million minimum. I think that's what's going to end up happening. Because I'm looking at Kyler Murray's contract, 46.1 annual average. Russell Wilson, 48.5 annual average. Aaron Rodgers, 50.2, right? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers got that because we know who he is. But Russell Wilson had a down year last year. I think, yeah, like it's, it's and also Are the cap okay is going up. Him with one year? Say that one more time. Are you okay with him only doing it for one year? Because didn't Wentz do it like this? And the Eagles jumped. Hey, by the way, am I saying there's more of a trajectory for Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz? You know, if I go back to 17, it's revised history now. But I don't know. Everyone that I ever talked to was completely sold that Carson Wentz was a franchise quarterback back then. We all were. We all and, were. There's no, no reason to even lie about it. We all were. I know. I mean, and, and by the way, they did not draft Jalen Hurts to be the starter in Philadelphia. They drafted him as a seatbelt. Yeah. Um, are you okay with going with that, though, and giving him $50 million off of what you've seen him do? You see, I have to be okay with it, right? And let me t- let me tell you why. You know, it'd be it'd be one thing if he just had a decent season, a playoff berth, one playoff win. Okay, you got a playoff win. All right, you won your division. Okay, but he made it to the Super Bowl. He didn't just make it to the Super Bowl. He proved that he belonged there. Oh no, he was you know? the engine. So 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 it's kind of like I have to I have to I have to I have to be mindful of the fact that the distance traveled. His commitment to his craft, his commitment to his teammates. I know for a fact if I give him this money, I don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to have to look at the playbook or not. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, at the end of the day, you're not even – He is the playbook. Right, exactly. And, you know, to be honest, you know, you got to pay him. I would pay him because, look, these days it's not even about if you're the best or not. It's about, okay, what the market is telling you and timing. And the timing and the market says you got to pay this young man. And what he and, and also what he, what he was able to provide – Taking his team to the Super Bowl, you got to pay Jalen Hurts. You got to pay him. And I can't really argue against it. Um, you know, again, now how you structure it according to his play style and so on and so forth, how you structure it. Again, like I said, I'm pro player getting your money, but I'm also pro organization structuring things how you need to structure, you know, that works for you. So, again, you know, I, I want him to get his 50 plus million dollars a year. However, that looks over a four, five, six year span, hey, Howie Rosen figure it out. But as far as the salary goes, $50 million. That's that's where it is. How about doing something that – because, listen, I don't think these guys last. It's proven. RPO guys don't last. How about structuring a conversation like this with him? Say you give him a four-year deal, right, that comes out to $200 million. You gamble, not in the final year, but in the first year. You give them the 60. Then you go down to 50, 40, 
30. So not only are you not, are not killing your cap as the years go on, but what you're doing is you're helping your team and your cap by structuring it. So see to me in these RPO guys, dude, giving Mahomes a 10 year contract, he's a pocket passer. This guy's not really, he, he runs under the necessity. Jalen runs because it's part of the offense. And you're going to ask that number two, the 200 carries. It concerns me when you're on pace for that with 200 carries. That number's supposed to come down, Tone. They're elevating that number. When you lose 1,300 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns, whatever you want to say about Miles Sanders, that's still a lot of production. That's about 14% of your offensive output that you're losing, that you're counting on other guys to pick up the mail for. Will they do it? Again, you're in the land of unknown. You're asking your quarterback to carry it. So I'd go like this. Let me front end it instead of back end it. Because what you don't want to do is what if the kid's really a good ball player and you've got a $70 million nut at the end of this thing and you've got to start jettisoning players like you see in Dallas where they got to start just getting rid of players. Reverse it. Pay him up front. What's just if 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 he gets $60 million, Tone, and you give him 55 to 60, 55, 58 million in the first year plus the bonus. And he's not as good. Dude, that cap hit as it goes out, it's not going to kill you. But you gambled only for one year, really, with the big money. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, the reality is, you know, when you're a dual threat guy, as you say, a dual threat, <laughs> when you're a dual threat guy, right? Uh, the reality is, you are putting your body in harm's way more than the average bear. That's the reality. And you have to, organizations are accounting for that. You know, Cam Newton, uh, Lamar Jackson, um, Michael Vick, you know, at the end of the day, we've seen how- RG3. RG3. We've seen how it pans out. But one thing I will say, though, about Jalen Hurts, if there's anybody that I do have faith that will eventually transition into being more- of a pocket passer, not saying he was just going to stop running in totality. I like to think about that Russell Wilson like kind of transition. If if there's anybody that I think can actually pivot and slowly begin to become more of a thrower, less of a runner, I think it's him because of his desire to truly, truly want to be the best at what he does. You know, meeting you know meeting him in person at the Maxwell Awards, I had I had the opportunity to actually talk to him, and um you know and, and chop it up with him briefly. Humble dude, real good dude, and. When he he told me he told me verbatim, regardless regardless of what he experienced throughout that twenty twenty two season, good or bad, you know sometimes and you played the game sometimes your legs are way your legs are heavier on Monday than they are on Sunday. You know how that goes, Celio. And he was saying to me, I said, um, I said, I said, well, how do you get up in the morning? How do you stay focused? How do you just stay to the grind like this? How do you how do you just keep your head down and just understand that? Got to keep grinding, keep grinding. How do you make it Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday? How do you do it? And his exact words to me was, well, I saw something I wanted. And for me, at least, when I see something I want, nothing else matters. And it sent chills in my body because to see someone truly dedicated to their craft in that way, and you see it, it's not just hearsay. He, you see it. You saw it in from year one to year two to year three. His, his diligence to want to get better as a passer. Some of the throws he those throws he was making in the Super Bowl were like, whoa, 
I didn't know he had those in him. So it's like, I see how good of a thrower he can be. And I know that eventually the, you get, you don't get faster in the NFL. You get slower. So eventually he is going to have to become more of a pocket passer. I think he can be that guy. But again, like you said about the contract, it has to be structured in a way that make that has to make sense. And, and that's where it gets kind of beyond me. I don't really know how they're going to do that. But I just know that you got to pay this kid, got to give him his money. If there's anybody I trust with the organization, if there's anybody I trust that can get their body right and stay on their fundamentals, stay on top of things, unlike Carson Wentz, I think Jalen Hurts can be that guy. How about this one here? I'll show you exactly what you're talking about. Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls. He cashed his family in because he has a love for football and winning. I'll, I tell everyone this, Tone. When you play at a level like Brady and Hurts and all those guys, your toughest divorce will never be your partner or your wife. It'll be the game. Yeah. Because what Jalen puts in, Jalen walking away from football will be the toughest thing in his life because you sacrifice everyone, everyone's time, your own, your body, your soul, your heart, your crying, your cheers, all of that. Look at the swings that Jalen Hurts has gone on in his life. Southeastern Conference Player of the Year at Alabama. A national cha national championship uh, runner-up. Then he gets pulled in the national title game. You talk about being humbled? Holy shit. Yeah. Then he turns into a great teammate, and he goes somewhere and turns into a runner-up to the Heisman. He comes and he comes into, you know, him coming into Philadelphia and watching that Wentz situation must have taught him everything. You know, that may have been that, that decision right there, him being in Philly and the whole Wentz nightmare going on and what happened to him in Alabama had to be two of the biggest learning curves for him because he showed that he had to be dedicated. And then when he got to Philadelphia, he saw what not to do and how to be a better teammate than what Carson was. See, I always thought Carson was a teammate to half the locker room. And Hurts is a teammate to everyone in the locker room. And I think that's the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Yeah. And that's what makes him, and why you said probably the most important thing, Tone. You trust him with $50 million. You know, you trust exactly. him. And Jason Kelsey said it. He foregoed retirement because he needed to see where his Jalen Hurts train was going. He said it himself. He said, I, I needed to find out where this kid was taking us because it was something about him. And, you know, when a guy like Jason Kelsey says, says that, you know, I, I got to take it seriously. Finally here. Um, Howie Roseman. You know, we get we get Philly 500 on, and you two guys, because you've been around Philly longer than me. Um, you guys are, are are you're not hot and cold, but it's funny how you go like this. See how we vision, and then when Philly said it, it's not bad or it's not good, it's just how he vision. It just is. Explain <laughs> to me what that is. <sighs> you know. Like, you're not pissed at him. You don't love him. But it's just the snow globe of the Howie world. What does that mean? It's kind of like 
it's kind of like living in your parents' house when you're a teenager. No, ma- no matter what you think, you think you run it. You, you think you know what's coming. You think you've seen it all. You think you know everything. You think you've been <laughs> through it with them. But they continue to surprise you, and they continue to remind you who's boss. This sounds like and, my wife. <laughs> and, and it's like, how he is, he, he's such a unique animal to me because he, and John said this, I think the reason we see Harry Roseman operate the way he does is because he's been given the latitude by Jeffrey Laurie, and Jeffrey Laurie trusts him, right? You know, I was talking to John about I was talking to John about this on Football 247, and I asked him, I said, John, have you ever seen a GM operate with this level of poise and shrewdness and confidence and patience and free agency? Have you seen a GM maneuver like this before? He said, no. And the reason you haven't is because most GMs are GMing for their jobs. Howard Roseman has the luxury of being able to look three, four, five, six, seven years down the line because he has that latitude with Jeffrey Lurie. I'm not entirely sure how their relationship budded the way it did, but it is what it is. And like you said, how we vision, and I always say we're living in how we snow globe, right? Like I told you before, the reality is how he makes good decisions. He makes questionable ones. He makes bad ones. And somehow, some way, when you thought, when you thought this man did not have your best interest, he comes out of nowhere and says, Hey, I come bearing gifts. You know, it's 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 like an abusive relationship. But it's like you you want to leave, <laughs> you you want to leave. But man, he just loves. But how do, so how, good. how do you justify <laughs> Andre Diller, Derek Barnett, Jalen Rager, um, <sighs> dude, man, all of these guys who have been colossal disasters? Yeah, and then yet yeah. you do this. So I guess maybe this is it. What you're telling me, Sills, you're right, but. Two Super Bowls in five years and one with a win and two NFC titles. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like you look at Jalen, you look at Jalen Rager, and I'll tell you this straight up. The Jalen Hurts pick wouldn't have been as blasphemous if Jalen Rager didn't come before. I promise <laughs> oh, you that. Hey, Jalen, I think he's the, gonna get $28 million <laughs> in Minnesota, dude. I think no, that guy's no, gonna he, get. Nah, he's gonna get he's gonna get twenty eight parking passes. Like that's about it. Like he's 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 listen, man. Jalen oh no, no, Rager, no, I'm talking Jefferson's gonna get twenty eight. Oh Jefferson, million. oh my god, Jeff. Oh Jefferson's gonna get thirty million. Like he, he he's gonna get thirty three. Like it's gonna be ridiculous. But you know you're right, man. So those picks, Dillard, Barnett, um, Rager, those picks are rather inexcusable. You know to say the least. Uh, especially Andre Dillard. Say what you want about him being a worthy death piece or whatever. You drafted him to be a starting left tackle. He never was able to carry the milk. Uh, it was injury. It, it was a combination of things, injuries and losing out to a seven round pick. He was going through some emotional issues or whatever, so on and so forth. Say what you want. But the reality is they drafted him to be a first round talent at left tackle. He couldn't do that. So a, a seven rounder had to come in and take his job. And that's what ended up happening. Barnett, you know, he gave us that good rookie season and it kind of fell off from there. He just he's just and the thing is about Barnett is what makes Barnett's situation more irritating. He's actually talented, but. He's just he lacks. This I hate saying I, I I hate saying this to somebody that's never played the game on a high level before, but he on the outside looking in and I and I, I'll lean on I'll lean on you I'll lean on you in this regard. Doesn't he lack a certain level of football IQ? No, I think it's discipline. Okay, I think it's discipline. I'm always I'm always I'm always reluctant to say something about a guy's knowledge because I don't know the man personally whether or not he's smart. Or understood, he's dumb. understood. I agree okay, with that. So yeah, it's, it's I always, 
I always kind of kind of like try to stay away from that because that's a Got personal it. item that you have to know the person, whether he's dumb or he's smart. Understood. But to me, you go Respect. by his actions on the field. And so I use the word discipline issues. I like that I don't better. Think he's a disciplined player. You can't go into a game and have three tackles and then five penalties. That's a lack of discipline. Did you know for his career, he has more defensive penalties than sex? Okay, you know, Tone, <laughs> you're, you're – yeah, hey, hey, Tone, what you said may not be wrong, but unless you and me know the guy – I think we have to hang it on. He's just not a very disciplined ball. Yeah, player. yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. You know, again, I don't want you know. I take back the football IQ part because again, you're right. I definitely, you know, again, like I said, I I've never played the game, so I don't want to ever overstep my bounds. I try, I try to cover this game and talk about this game from a you know from a from an observatory perspective. I never want to overplay my hand, right, or play myself because at the end of the day, I'm in this thing to learn more than anything, and I think just based off what we see on the field there is a certain level of discipline that's just not there. So I agree I wanna, with you on that. I want to get your final thing here. I got to tell you guys something here before we take a time out. You've been watching this whole thing with Darius Slay and me. Yeah. Darius Slay, I mean, I don't get where he thought – and after everyone, including the organization, had put out that they were releasing him, Inquire, radio stations in town, put it out that he was being cut. He tweeted out, then rolled it back later on and walked it back later in the afternoon. That's kind of the story that we see. They end up giving him an extension that's $3 million less. So how he gets that in the side of the ledger, but... Just your take on how Darius Slay is handled this week. Yeah, um, we we spoke about this off the uh, you know off the air, and I even spoke about it on my own show, Chalk It Up Sports. You know, honestly, I wasn't really a fan of how Darius Slay's situation was handled for the most part, for the simple fact that I was always taught when you're conducting business in any capacity, I don't care if outside of sports, whatever in life, if you're conducting business. It stays between you and the person that you're negotiating with. No matter how those negotiations may go, it's important to keep certain things in-house because you still, because by doing so, you still maintain control of your narrative, regardless of, regardless of the hearsay. You're, listen, you're a public figure, and people know the, the, the Eagles are trying to maneuver your contract. It's, it's no secret. But what you can control is your narrative. And when you continue to tweet and because look, I'm not I'm not of the mindset of shut up and dribble. I'm not that guy. I don't care. I don't care if my athletes have an opinion on anything. But when it comes to business, when you're conducting your own business, lay low, play it cool, and things usually work out in your favor. When you go about tweeting and you saying things prematurely, it's kind of like CJ Garner Johnson. Like you're saying things, you're saying yeah, things. Yeah, he took it down. He deleted that. Yeah, tweet. but like this is the this is 2023. You tweet something, somebody screenshot it immediately. You're a public Thank figure. Thank you. You you can't be playing like that. So again, I, this is not about talent with either of those guys. It's strictly about when you're conducting business. I just don't think you should be out there tweeting willy willy nilly like that when nothing has been set in stone yet. Nothing. If you see reports about you being cut or whatever, okay, as long as you don't confirm that, it's hearsay. We see reports about stuff all the time. That doesn't make it real. And the only transaction that ever happened officially when it came to Darius Slay was him actually getting the extension that we saw. 
So I just felt like, and like I said, he took a he took yeah. he would take a pay cut. Yeah, he took I, a pay cut. I, like, I thought like, it would be like more, I thought he would. Tone, I thought it'd be more substantial, but it wasn't. It was only three million. I, I you know, and again, do you agree with me on this? I think he saw what Stefan Gilmore got, that eight million, and he said in the open market, man, mm-hmm. I'm not getting more than that guy because they're pretty much around the same age. And he yeah, said, man, yeah, you know yep. what? I think it's in my best interest to stay here in Philly. Hey, Tone, you've been spectacular. Dude, Thank we're going to do this again, man. Definitely. Been- I enjoyed it. I appreciate work, you for dude. giving me the look. It means a lot to me. You got it, man. Thank you so much, Tone. All right, guys, do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Now we're number three. We'll be right back with you. We've got a ton of stuff. We'll reset. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust.
Sills, hour number three. So did the NFL take the scrum push Philly rule out? Did they actionay it? Guarantee if Andy Reid or if the Cowboys had come up with it or, well, Belichick and the Eagles, they're going to actionay it. Okay? They're going to actionay it. But if Andy Reid or somebody else would have come up with it, like Sean McVay would have been innovative, you know? So they ended up dumping that rule. Crazy. <laughs> they ended up dumping the rule. All right, let's reset. By the way, I want to get back into talking about rankings. Team, coaches, quarterbacks in the NFC, the top free agents that are left at their respected positions. I want to look at, again, the NFC and AFC, kind of like preseason where they are. Tone was great, wasn't he? Tone was great. Miguel goes, that rule doesn't affect the Eagles. I don't know, man. The Eagles were awful good on fourth and one with that quarterback push. I don't know. You don't think that affects you? I'll tell you. They, they, they perfected it. That's part of your offense now that's not in it. Okay. Well, you may not think it is, but I do. I, I think it's not a massive impact, but it affects you because that's kind of what you did. Okay. <laughs> Look at Birdman. They got rid of the scrub because they hate Italian coaches. That is classic. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, did they cut Derrick Henry? Did the Titans cut Derrick Henry? Holy cow. Dude, Derrick Henry, didn't he have 1,500 yards last year with the Titans? Did they cut him? Jesus. Tell me they didn't cut him. Not yet? Boy, you cut Derrick Henry. Hey, Zeke, I'll see you in the XFL. <laughs> I'll see you in the XFL, dude. I, that's okay. Hey, Zeke, no disrespect. If a guy who just had 1,500 yards gets cut, I'm taking that guy. Holy cow. Can you imagine the play? So if Derrick Henry gets cut with Tennessee, if you're the Eagles, wouldn't you want that guy in your back? Yeah, I don't, how could you afford that? He's going to want $10 million. You can't give that guy $10 million. You can't bring him. God, you know, I, I guess it's like walking past the Ferrari shop. Man, I'd love to have that Dino. But I'm going to hang out in the Acura. I got to. It's kind of who I am, right? Dude, you give him 10 million bucks. Holy cow. <laughs> hey, Tony goes like this. Hey, leave Zeke. Grab the cannolis. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, so oh, look at Yale. Yale's acting like Howie Roseman. Here's how he did. Derek Henry, Derek, do you want to win? You come into Philadelphia and you put up 1,700 yards. There's going to be a team out there to give you 10 million. Hell, we may do it. Once you say you jump aboard here, 5 million bucks with incentives and a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It sounds dumb. But then when you look at it, how many people are going to pay $10 million for a running back? You think there's a big market for $10 million running backs? Even Derrick Henry. 
Are you going to pay 10 million bucks to a guy when you got to build a roster? Remember all the shit that I talk about on the Eagles building a roster and having to move money around. They got to lose Hardgrave. Okay. Well, Tennessee's got to lose their engine. It's see, this is, this is the difference here. Hey, here's the difference between Tennessee and Philly. Philly's not losing their engine. Tennessee's losing their engine. That's a massive loss in Tennessee. You don't have Derrick Henry. So in the last two years, Tennessee's going to get rid of A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry? And you're left with Ryan Tannehill? I don't know, man. I'm not thinking that that goes over well. So who's making these decisions? The GM was fired last year. So you, you're left with Tannehill. <laughs> I got rid of A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry in the last two years. Man. And, 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 and the one thing with A.J. Brown, that dude's 25. And you're left with Ryan Tannehill, the lesser of the three dudes. Good night. Okay. Do you, I, someone goes, well, they're going to probably draft a court. You think? <laughs> What gave that away? That to me is this. If you cut Derrick Henry, Tennessee's got to move up as far as they can in the draft to get one of these quarterbacks they want, like C.J. Stroud. Stroud's probably going to be the number one guy. And you got to somehow try to get in front of Houston. Houston ain't giving that pick up. Why? They need a quarterback too. Okay, and you're probably not sold on Anthony Richardson from Florida. Then you got the kid from Kentucky. There's only four guys that are going to go in the top 10. Hey, get this. All four of those quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10 because teams are going to overdraft the position. This is why the quarterback, when you draft him in the draft, this is why the majority of the time they bomb. You overdraft the position. I just got through telling you about Jordan Davis being overdrafted at 13. The position that's consistently overdraft is the quarterback position. Baker Mayfield, number one overall, really. Josh Rosen, really. Brandon Whedon, really. Carson Wentz, really. I mean, you overdraft that. Jared Goff, really, to a point. Zach Wilson. Hey, how'd you like to be Zach Wilson right now, sitting in New York or New Jersey, wherever the hell, or Utah, with his MILF girlfriend, and he's sitting around going, or his five MILF, MILF girlfriends, whatever. I don't know what that means. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that means. But he's sitting in Utah, and he's going, man, 18 months ago, this place loved me. Now, now they're talking about bringing in another. Hey, so, like, they're bringing in a MILF quarterback. <laughs> So, man, hey, Zach Wilson is going to be undone by a MILF quarterback. Okay? A MILF quarterback's coming in. Hey, dude, we know you like old folks. We'll get used to it because a quarterback that's 40 years old is coming in. How you doing? And every time he looks, (laughs) he sees Aaron Rodgers, man. It's going to look like a school teacher and a kid sitting in the front row. Get my coffee. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um.
Oh, my God, right? Matt Leiner, there's another great one. All right. Hey, an amazing week. And I said this yesterday, and I'll continue to say this. Hey, the Eagles are more, they're more interesting in the offseason, and it's the Howie Snow Globe that makes it that way. They're more interesting now than they were during the regular season. And on Monday, I said this on the 13th. I didn't think this football team was going to make the playoffs. Today, on the 17th, the damage has not been as severe. Now, again, Sayamalo and CJ are still yet to be determined. You lose seven starters. Here. Hardgrave, Edwards, White. Epps, Sanders, and if you lose two more, that's seven starters. That's quite a hit off your NFC Championship football team. Seven starters. Not a team in the league lost that many starters. If that ends up playing out, nobody loses seven starters. Seven starters that had career years. Gardner Johnson, co-leader in the NFL in interception. Sayamalo. Pro Bowl candidate. Miles Sanders, Pro Bowler. TJ Edwards, leading tackler. Kaiser White, career year. Javon Hardgrave, 11 sacks. Those were all career seasons. Those guys were all big-time contributors to the team and their success. Okay? All big-time. And if you add Gardner Johnson, like I said, then we're talking about it being still pretty significant. As of right now, you're not the same team. You have no linebackers, very little depth in your D line, and you're old. Err. And if you bring back Joseph and Sue, you're even older. That's a that's a problem. Your two youngest linemen. Well, just what? Hey, hey, Tone. Do me a favor. How old is Josh Sweat? Um, you're pretty old in your D-line now. You're pretty old there. And you're going to be completely new in your linebacking position. Sweat's 25. That's fantastic. Okay? That's fantastic. And I think that he had a turnaround season. Like I said, I think that he's shown me he's an every-down guy. We're going to go into the free agents that are available. I like what Josh did this year, okay? Milton Williams is 23. Again, my perfect world is Jordan Davis and Milton Williams, 22, 23, and then 25. If you had those guys starting, but you got a 34-year-old D lineman, 33-year-old D, D lineman, and a 35-year-old defensive end. Kind of old there. They need help. Fletcher and Brandon were productive. Why? They were productive because they had depth. That's why they were productive. Their, their productive ratio was great with less reps. That's a great thing for older players. Okay, It's a great thing. Howie's not done, but you're going to clearly be going younger and new. Okay? Younger and new. 
Like I said, Jalen Carter falls to 10. I jump all over that. I jump all over Jalen Carter at 10. Let's take, hey, I want to finish this one up here with the, um, with when I was looking at the divisions here. I want to finish this one up. I did the NFC first before we talked with Tone. Carter or Witherspoon? You see what Inferno says here? Witherspoon's probably the need. Carter's the better player. Okay? Don't you take the better player? You got to need a DT too now. You got to need a DT. Um, West, I got the Niners, Seattle, Rams, Cardinals. South, Saints, Carolina, Atlanta, Bucks. NFC North, I got the Lions winning it. Lions, Vikings, Bears, Packers finished last without Rodgers. Jordan Davis sucks. Don't you think after four years, if you thought that guy with all the headaches Aaron Rodgers gave you, why in the world would you give him a $110 million contract extension if you thought that guy could play? Ask yourself that. Don't go by what they're saying. Go by who they pay. They paid Aaron Rodgers $110 million and they drafted a kid in the first round three years ago. They had to play him this year. Do you understand that? Do you know where Green Bay is? Jordan Love, thank you. Do you understand the position, why they're moving off of Aaron Rodgers? It's not because they don't want the player back. Why do you think they're going to play Jordan Love this year? Why? Because this is the final year they'd have to pick up an $18 million option on a guy that's never played. They got to find out if he can play. They don't even know if he can play. They had to move off him. What are you going to do? Pick up an option on a guy that's never played? Trade him, Yale? You think you're getting a first-round draft choice for Jordan Love? Never. You have no value in the player. His value plummeted. It, it plummeted. You had no choice but to move off of Rodgers because of the mistake you made at first-round pick. There's no value in the kid. He's never played. And you know what the notion would be about Jordan Love? Well, if they thought he could play, wouldn't they have played him and moved on from Rodgers instead of giving him the $110 million, to the 50 then the $60 million contract? Wouldn't they have done that? That makes you pause and go, why, why would I do that? Hey, this is what I do. If I'm Green Bay, I take a first rounder and I go like this. Why don't you send me Zach Wilson too? Why don't you send me Zach Wilson in a one? And you can have the 39-year-old guy. Go ahead. Just send Zach. You don't know. It's the Jets. What quarterback goes there and wins? Joe Namath. <laughs> You don't know, right? Find out how good a coach. We're going to find out how good a coach Matt LaFleur is with that pumped up record of his, aren't we? 
You want to see something? You want to see a coach fired? I'm going to, I'm going to make a point to you here. Hey, Tone, do me a favor real quick. Look, or somebody, look up the record of Matt LaFleur as a head coach in the NFL. I'll make, I'll make a proclamation here to you or a prediction. That guy will be fired in two years. And he'll have, he'll have a record like he's George Seifert. Okay? Vinny Testaverde wasn't drafted by the Jets. Okay? Wasn't drafted by the Jets. So right now, Matt LaFleur is 47-19. and 19. Two years from now, he'll be canned. <laughs> Going to find out how good this guy. Yeah, Ken O'Brien. I forgot. The greatness of Ken O'Brien. He was drafted. Hey, he was drafted ahead of Dan Marino. I forgot the Jets. <laughs> Five and two in the playoffs, and he's 47 and 19. He'll be fired in two years. Okay? He'll be fired in two years because Rodgers isn't in the building. Do you watch? This guy's got to. Oh, he's two and three in the playoffs. All right. Yeah. For five and two. That's Garoppolo. Yeah. <laughs> This guy's going to be canned. <laughs> Why not bring Zach Wilson up there? Fub Green Bay. Give me a one and Zach, maybe a third. And let's move on from this mess. And Eric can go to New York. And Namath can give him his number 12 so he can wear it in New York as a Jet because that matters. Whatever. All right. Here's what I got in the AFC. The West, I got Kansas City, the Chargers, Denver. Raiders are last. AFC South, Jags, Titans, Indy, Houston. AFC North, Bengals, Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Man, Pittsburgh, last place in the North. AFC West, or excuse me, East. Interesting division. Bills. Jets with Rodgers. Patriots. Dolphins. Pretty good division. I'd say this to you. Here are good, here's what I think are going to be the strongest divisions in the, in, in the NFL this year. The AFC East. The AFC West and the NFC the East will be the best again. I think Chicago's going to be an interesting team to keep an eye on this year. They're spending a lot of money. They're spending a lot of money. That NFC North looks interesting. I think the I think the NFC East and the NFC West are probably going to be your your better your better divisions. I do have the Eagles winning the East again. Hey, would that be the first time in 18 years that somebody has uh won a division back to back? Is that thing still intact where they haven't had back to back division winners in the East in like 18 years or 22 years or some shit like that? Right? I think the Eagles could break that. They could break that break that trend and uh and, and win the division. I know what I said on Monday. 
But I think Howie has softened the blow. I thought it was going to be more losses. I did. I thought Bradbury was gone. I thought CJ was gone. I thought that entire you – know, can I tell you this? I think the guy that shocked me the most was Epps. I think the Epps exit. Okay? I just said that, Carson. I think the Epps exit has shocked me the most. I was like, really? Guys lost the safety. You mean Gardner Johnson? No, Epps. Really? Okay? All right. Let's take a look at some of these free agents. Here are the best free agents. And by the way, if, if um, because it's such a revolving door, um, if it's such a revolving door with free agency, one of these guys may have signed, but I wrote this down just a couple um, hours ago, so it may have changed. I wrote these names down. These are the remaining best free agents at their respected positions. Okay. Lamar Jackson by far is the best quarterback that's out there. Now, the price tag is that non-exclusive deal, which means if you want him, you got to pay him 50 million. God knows what the guarantees are, and you got to give the Ravens two ones. Wow. Is he is he worth all that? I'll tell you this. If Jalen had that distinction on him, Non-exclusive, I would never pay that for Hertz. I would never pay that. And with Lamar, do you think he's got a really big market for a guy that's missed some ball games over the last three years? Man, two ones and 50 and probably 200 million guaranteed. Man. That's a lot. You think he's got a really big market? I mean, who would pay that? Miami can't. You're paying a wide out now, $25 million. They could restructure that probably. Who Think of, think of his market. Would the, uh, the Giants just gave Daniel Jones money? The Jets? But you also have to figure who's got the equity. With Houston, Houston's got draft choices. How about Houston? How about Houston? They got the picks, Lamar Jackson and Houston. They got a pretty good running back, that kid from Florida. Nick Casario's the general manager. Not bad. How about this one? You think Tennessee's cutting Derrick Henry so they can make room for Lamar Jackson? Tennessee Titans? Bucks can't do nothing. They're in cap hell. How about Atlanta? Atlanta just got rid of Mariota. Would you give two ones up for Lamar Jackson? Whew. Lamar Jackson in Atlanta with that kid Kyle Pitts from Florida. 
was a pretty good-looking ball player. They got some good players on that team. Okay? Baker Mayfield's in Tampa. What a disgrace. Hey, the Bucks are, the Bucks are a train wreck right now. Whew. Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield, he'll be lucky if he's going to be better than Steve Spurrier was as a quarterback at Tampa. Holy cow. Baker Mayfield, the Steve Spurrier of the modern-day quarterback. I love that kid, Pitts. Baker Mayfield. A lot of progressive commercials. Well, it's perfect because he's down in, like, old folksville. You know, you, you, know, you know what promotion night is down at Raymond James, right? It's oxygen night. They got these oxygen masks that hang in the aisles. <laughs> hey, and they got new teeth day. <laughs> Oh, and they got stripper poles, too, because you know in Tampa, right? Do you know in Tampa there's more strip clubs than there are churches and middle schools combined? Just thought I'd throw that out there to you. It's a weird fact that I know. <laughs> oh. Tone saying this, rumor mill is saying Titans could be parting ways with two-time pro bowler Kevin Baird. This may affect CJ's market big time. Whew. Man, dude, they signed that kid Bates from Cincinnati, and it's been all quiet on the Western front, man. Oh, man. Right? Someone goes like this. Sills, why do you know that? I, 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 someone told it to me. <clears throat> okay, someone told me that. I don't know. How the hell would I know? Wait, scratch that. It's official. The Titans have released. Wow. Kevin Bard, they've released. Hmm. What does that mean for Gardner Johnson? Now, from what I'm hearing, Broncos, Eagles, Patriots. I heard the Patriots. Patriots, Broncos, Eagles. I keep hearing Bengals. I don't believe it. Why? So... Why would you do this? Why would you let Bates go and then turn around and because I probably think that he wants to look, Cincinnati's going to be a playoff team because of Joe Burrow. He's going to be a playoff team. Okay, so you're going to the playoffs. But it has to be the money right now. And I would think the reason that Gardner John hey, I think we all agree here that Gardner Johnson's looking at the market right now going, man, after Bates, all of a sudden the money has plummeted. And get this, if you're Howie, you've got to be calling him constantly saying, look, how can we make this work within reason? And he's probably saying this, dude, you got to give me $10 million. Dude, is anyone giving you $10 million? And if somebody's not giving you $10 million, this is what I would do if I were Gardner Johnson, okay? Do what you did for Slay then. Give me more signing bonus money. I'll take less money 
on my base. Here, why can't, why wouldn't you give Gardner Johnson the same parameters that you gave Darius Slay? Slay took a $3 million pay cut. They've cleared $6 million in salary for the next two years off of Darius, or actually one, no, it's because it's a three-year contract. They've cleared $9 million off of what his base was of 18. So there's 9 million bucks. There's three now that you have that you freed up because you gave Slade more of a bonus. Why don't you do this? You go to Gardner Johnson and go, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll pay you, we'll pay you six, six as a, um, as a base. And we'll give you $25 million signing bonus. Is it the idea to get more guaranteed money? It's not about really the base. It's about the guaranteed dough. Because you're not promised next year. They could whack you and take the cap hit like the Eagles were going to with Slay. So give him more signing money. Lower the base. He probably doesn't want to do that. Or his agent is doing this. Let's see what's out there and go. You know, it's got to get to a point if you're the Eagles where you do this. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I may have to draft a kid now from Alabama, that safety kid, and drop down in the draft of 14 and get that safety kid from Alabama. Because now my need is more so, well, I'm going to need a corner because Slay's done after this. Well, no, they gave him an extension. He'll never live out that three-year contract extension. Darius Slay will never live out that contract extension. He'll be 35. Really? How many 35-year-old corners make $15 million? Name me one. They just got rid of a guy in Los Angeles, in Jalen Ramsey. Three years? He's 35. He ain't playing three years in Philly. Unless he drops the money down, takes another haircut like he did this time. Okay? He ain't playing three years in Philly. You don't believe that, do you? I don't. He struggled with the last five games of the season. He's 32. Be 35 years old at the end of his deal. You don't really believe. So, you know, everyone's on my internet going, hey, he got a. He got a three-year contract extension. You don't really believe he's playing three more years in Philly, do you? Come on, man. 35-year-old corner making $15 million. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. None of the money's committed in the third year, big sales. They don't expect them to be here. That's why. That's why. Perfect deal for Howie. Perfect deal. Absolutely. Like I told you. Okay? That's a team-friendly contract. It's not a... Well, to be candid and fair, he is making 14 million bucks. Okay? He is. So that's it's a pretty good deal for the player. But at the end of the day, it's a team-friendly deal. Three-year contract extension. You don't really believe that was a three-year contract extension. Only a name only. Now, what is real about the deal 
is that he's getting a haircut this year and they gave him upfront money. They need to do the same thing with Gardner Johnson. But Gardner Johnson is 26. He's 26. He is going to live out a three-year contract. So you got to be wiser here with this. Okay? Yeah, go sit Slay. Sit behind Slay and Bradbury for a year and see what happens. Are you saying get Witherspoon? Okay. All right, let me take a timeout. I want to go over the top free agents that are left on the market here. It's been a crazy week. And again, I want to say it one more time. I think Howie's done a really great job at putting his finger in the dike here and not letting the dam break. I think he's done a pretty good job of it. It's taken on water. The boat's taken on water. Okay, he's got a lot of holes to fill still. And he's got a lot of unknowns still on the roster. He's got a lot of work to do still. But I think the damage is not as bad as what I thought it was going to be on Monday. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today.
Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. National Football Show. We were getting ready to start to do some of the top free agents that are left. We got to Lamar Jackson. We were talking about his his position. Boy, I I find it weird where he is. I mean, there's got to be five or six teams that are still out there, right? That might be willing to part ways. How many people have – you think there's a big market for Ezekiel Elliott. Now, this is all in line before Derrick Henry and if Derrick Henry gets cut. Okay. Um, is there a market for Zeke? How many people think that Ezekiel Elliott could bring something to a football team? Okay. I, I know, yeah. I'm with you on Lamar. I think he stays in Baltimore. Okay. Zeke Elliott? Like Todd Gurley. I don't see any value there. Like, like, watch this. Unless you're talking to me about a Rashad Penny salary of 1.3, five or six million dollars for that guy, Miles Sanders is better. Miles Sanders is a better ball player. And to me, Rashad Penny, I you hey, how about this? I, I never thought I'd say this. Tone, I actually think Rashad Penny's a better better talent today than Ezekiel Elliott is. The problem you have with Penny is he just can't stay on the field. He averages eight games a year. No one ever said here he sucks as a player and he's not a good talent. That's not what it is. I told you, he averages eight games a year for five years. He's missed 40 games in five years. That's my bitch with him. And that was the bitch with Seattle. Okay. Miles is Miles had a better year last year than Ezekiel Elliott. He had a better year, more touchdowns, more rushing yards. And to be candid, Miles had the second best running back season in the NFC East next to Saquon Barkley. Facts. Adam Thielen, wide receiver. Would the Eagles go like this? How much money would you pay for that guy to be your number three dude? How much could he get? Dude, Shuju Smith-Schuster. I'll tell you something. If I'm Adam Thielen... I go to Kansas City. If I'm Adam Thielen, I call up Andy Reid and I'll take five million bucks and I'll go play in Kansas City for one year and I'll I'll, I'll get my value up and I'll go play with uh, Mahomes. If I'm a wide receiver and I see the market 
and I see the market, and it's not a strong market for wideouts. Then again, Juju Smith-Schuster just got a hundred. What do you got? Ten million bucks, dude? Really? I don't. I don't. I don't. Eleven million dollars. I don't see that. And then what I would do is I'd go like this. I'll, let's go to Kansas City. I'll take less money. Play with Mahomes and Andy Reid. Right. Miguel, happy Friday, brother. I love how people have been tacking you on Twitter, Dan. When you're only speaking the truth, nothing but respect. Thank you very much, man. Hey, Miguel, sometimes I get caught in a position where I'm punching down like my good friend told me today. And I got to always remember to always punch up, okay, and not punch down. So I find myself sometimes there a little bit. So I got to always punch up. And I like that philosophy. Don't punch down to people. doesn't make sense. And quite frankly, it gets me nowhere. Just punch up. You know, at least at least, at least it means something. <laughs> right? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's all good, man. It is. It's all good. How about this one? Dalton Schultz tied in. Now, again, this is not somebody for, for the Eagles – the Eagles have a top-flight guy. This guy's going to get pretty good money somewhere. Offensive tackle, Tennessee. This kid, um, Taylor Lennon, offensive tackle, is out there. He's a pretty good ball player. Isaac Sayamalo is number six. Offensive guard. Man, if I were Howie, what would be more of a priority to you? Isaac Sayamalo or Gardner Johnson? What would be more of an of, of a priority? I think Sayamalo's 30. I think he's 30 years old. I think Isaac Sayamalo's a good ball player. I do. I think he's a good ball player. Okay. But and but Gardner Johnson's so young, man. And he's so versatile, right? I got to go Gardner-Johnson here, but Sayamalo. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. If somehow how we can keep Sayamalo and Gardner-Johnson, okay, I'll take the March 13th video and say this. I'm wrong, okay? Because if he's able to keep them two dudes, shit, he's almost got the same ball club back. And the only loss would be, and if watch this, can you imagine if this happens? Can you? I, I know, I know, Yale, I'm with you. Somehow he keeps Gardner Johnson and Isaac Sayamalo, and Carter falls down to 10, Jalen Carter. And you put Jalen Carter on the defensive line next to Fletcher Cox, and you have Jordan Davis there, and you have Milton Williams. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'd be turning around going, Jesus, criminy. Okay. Dude, I'd be turned. Hey, this is when everybody could come hammer me then go, Sills, he brought the whole team back. You said he would. But then I'd be like this. Yeah, but he hasn't signed your quarterback yet then. That's still out there. You still got to sign the guy. And that hasn't happened. Maybe it has. Maybe, hey, maybe it has. Maybe they got a gentleman's agreement. 
Hey, hey uh, here's what Tones just said, Sills. I'm going to have to ship you some of those Howie knee pads if Howie keeps Sayamalo and Gardner Johnson <laughs> and signs Jalen Hurts. Sills, you're going to have to do your show on your knees. <laughs> that Hey, okay. We have a bet here. I will make a bet here. If how mark the mark the tape of the show. If Howie Roseman is able to sign Isaac Sayamalo, Gardner Johnson, and sign Jalen Hurts, I'll do my show on my knees. <laughs> I'll do one show on my knees. And I'll wear an I love you Howie shirt. Is that a deal? Hey, it would, dude, he'd be running circles around the league if he's able to do that. Is that a deal? Here, I'll be doing my show like this. Be sitting here just seeing the top of my head. Hey, good afternoon, Dan Cilio, National Football Show. The reason I'm on my knees. It's because how he did it. <laughs> how he did it. <coughs> hey, look, I'm doing my show like this. Silly, why are you on your knees? Because how he got everybody back. <laughs> no, we, Sills, Sills, wait, wait. No one wants to see you on your knees, dude. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, no comment. I'm hey, no comment. I'm trying to be a nice guy today. <laughs> I get accused of not being a nice guy sometimes. People get their panties in a bind over big sales. It's all good. <sighs> By the way, too, man, that would be a hard show for three hours on my knees, too. Big sales knees. Rodney Hudson Center, Arizona's on this list. Frank Clark, edge rusher, Kansas City, I'm shocked. See, Kansas City can't afford this kid. He can't afford Clark. Clark's a pretty good ball player. Greg Gaines, DT, Rams. Okay, good ball player. Dan, you're at least funny. Thank you. <laughs> hey, man. If you Here's the two. Hey, Hey, Ray, just so you know, there's two things that I love people to do at me. Scream and laugh. <laughs> okay? Scream and laugh. Those are the two emotions. Scream and laugh. That Nicholas Morrow kid, the linebacker, boy, isn't it funny? So now they put this kid, Morrow, on the open market now, and they signed two linebackers, and they got rid of Rokon Smith. Jesus, Grimany. Right? Bobby Wagner. How come when I say Bobby Wagner's name, I see Philadelphia Eagle? Why do I keep doing this? Bobby. Philly. 
Yeah, but they're not offering me a bunch of money. They didn't offer a lot of those free agents last year a lot of money. Come in for five or six million bucks. They'll pay you that. Get your incentives. Go to it. Can you imagine if you did this? How about this? You sign Bobby Wagner. You get Gardner Johnson. You somehow keep Sayamalo and you sign Hertz. My March 13th video will clearly be outdated. <laughs> and, 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 and hey, and seriously, Tones, knee pads probably couldn't get here any quicker. And he's able to pull some shit like that off. Bobby Wagner would be a coup. Here, so you'd have Wagner on the team. Is he, is he, is he Warner? No, but he's pretty good. He's a second team all pro last year. He's a second team all pro. Okay. You put him in the middle of that. It's an upgrade to TJ um, Edwards. Who's better, TJ Edwards or um, Bobby Wagner? Come on, I'm not even going to debate that. Who else is on this list? Oh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Cincinnati. I still have a hard time saying that. Duke Tobin, this guy's, this guy on, you know, most people have a wallet. You just kind of open it. When you go play in Cincinnati and you go see Mike Brown, he's got a zipper on his. <laughs> the Bengals, dude, you never want to negotiate with an organization that everyone in the building has a zipper on their wallet. Dude, why do you have a zipper on your wallet? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I don't like losing money. Okay. <laughs> Cincinnati is the only you – know, when, when you get signed and you get to play in Cincinnati – one of the gifts they give you when you show up at the airport and you walk into the Bengal organization, you walk into the Paul Brown building, is they give you a zipper wallet <laughs> with Velcro on it, you know, so it could stay in your back pocket. <laughs> right? Right. Interesting week, dude. Interesting. I can't see him there. I could see Denver paying him, though, because remember something about Denver. Denver and the Rams – you're always going to have to worry about why, because they will pay money and overpay dudes. They don't have a lot of equity when it comes to draft choices because they've surrendered a lot of those. Okay. Okay. So I'm always concerned, but the Broncos, it makes it, you know, I'm even actually hearing 49ers may attempt to try to sign uh, Chauncey Gardner. So, I mean, he may be in a building to try to go out there to, to San Francisco. Can you imagine him on San Francisco? Wow. Let's see what how he does over the weekend. He worked after night last night, and he landed Marcus Mariota. Like I told you about Mariota, it's a heck of a, of a sign as long as he knows the role there. Absolutely fantastic stuff this week. You guys were great. We shook up the world in Philly. Got everybody watching the show. And everybody has tuned in. Players, general managers, PR people, everyone. It's because of you, not me. You guys make the show move. 
and I can't thank you enough. Tone, you were great today. We're going to do that more. We thank you guys very much. I appreciate everybody saying that. You guys were wonderful this week as well. Please hit the like button till Monday morning, 3 to 6 Eastern. Have a fabulous weekend, and we will catch you on the flip side. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.